Blog Talk Radio. You are listening to The Ace, Alex Cardinal Entertainment Network, with your host, the crazy Alex Cardinal from Springfield, Massachusetts. You can expect the unexpected on The Ace Network. Now, on to today's show. Scientist Nick Ficarelli talking to you live right here on Blog Talk Radio, powered by Fantasy Sports Warehouse, where tonight, ladies and gentlemen, we have a very extremely special episode for you, because tonight, the mad scientist has brought on some of the best and brightest football minds from around the United States to give you the 2015 NFL Mock Draft Show. And I got to tell you, everybody... I could not be more happy than the group that I have right now. I'm going to make some very quick introductions. This way, everybody knows who's going to be drafting for who. First off, drafting for the AFC North from from RES, from, excuse me, from RESE Network, ladies and gentlemen, the Don's verdict himself, Brian Luis. Brian, how you doing tonight? Brian, are you there? I'm probably having a problem with Brian. Brian Palencer, are you here? Yeah, I'm here. How you doing, bro? What do you call Ryan Palencer from the student section and Fantasy Sports Warehouse will be drafting for the AFC South. Of course, drafting for the AFC East from Draft Breakdown. Ladies and gentlemen, of what do you call one of the proud members of this show that has been on many times, Mr. Jeff Lloyd. Jeff, how you doing tonight? Uh, couldn't be better, Nick. Uh, I just, somebody's dog's loose here in my backyard right now. Uh, sorry about that. Um, looking forward to this. Always a great time talking football. Uh, nice night. Nice Jersey night. Enjoying the night outside until the neighbor's dog got out. But uh, ready to do this, man. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure coming on, buddy. You know that. Hey, no problem. And for the AFC West from Pro Players Insider, another guy that's been on the show many times, Antoine Staley. Antoine, what are you? How's everything going, man? Everything's good. Everything's, good. everything's going all right. Excellent. Now for the NFC side, drafting for the NFC North from the football educator, Mr. Brandon Thorne. How you doing, Brandon? I'm doing good, man. Thanks for having me. Hey, no problem. Drafting for the NFC South, and we'll be on the clock in the in very, very shortly from the student section and college football zealots, Mr. Kevin Causey. Kevin, how you doing tonight? Fantastic. Thanks for having me. Hey, no problem. From the NFC East, another person from the student section. He's been on this show many times. This is not college basketball, though, and this is now college football. Ladies and gentlemen, Terry Johnson. Terry, how you doing? Uh, doing well. I'll just go ahead and put my disclaimer in there. Tonight, the part of Jerry Jones will be played by Terry Johnson. <laughs> awesome. And what do you call last for the division from the NFC West, 
from draft breakdowns, draft rounds, and so many other sites. I you know, can't even think of all of them. But one of the brightest minds that I happen to know, very glad to have him back after a long absence, Mr. Justin Higdon. Justin, how you doing tonight? Justin, are you there? Yes, Justin's here because I had him on mute. Justin, how you doing tonight? I'm good. How are you guys doing? I'm uh, excited to get down and uh, do some drafting. And, of course, we need to have someone to play the role of Mike Mayock, Todd McShay, Mel Kuyper. But the person that I happen to bring in is better than the three of them times ten. Ladies and gentlemen from Draft TV, our analyst for this evening is none other than Shane P. Hallam. Shane, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great, but I'm taking the gloves off. These guys better be ready. I'm going to grill them a little bit. I have no doubt whatsoever. So, ladies and gentlemen, let's get the mock draft started right now on the clock with the first pick, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers drafting for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Mr. Kevin Causey. Kevin, your pick, please. Well, we're we're not going to go out of the box here. We're going to go with the pick that everybody sees the Tampa Bay Buccaneers making, and that is with the first pick of the 2015 NFL Draft. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers choose quarterback Jameis Winston from Florida State University. Well, that wasn't that really wasn't a surprise, ladies and gentlemen, because as everybody knows, Jameis Winston on many, 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 many boards is deemed is being pegged to be the top pick. Shane, do you agree with Jameis Winston being the top pick, or did you, or were you thinking outside the box on this one? I agree with it. I think it's a good pick if you're a team like Tampa where you need that franchise quarterback. You don't get the number one pick too often. This is the one time to do it. And Jameis Winston, he has that feel. He has that work ethic on the field. He can do it all. He has the arm and has some athletic ability to him. So I think if you're Tampa, you feel really good about getting a potential franchise quarterback uh, with the first pick. Well, I would you call honestly not a surprise. Excellent pick. Would you call excellent pick for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We now move to the number two pick, and with the number two pick, we have the Tennessee Titans in drafting for the Tennessee Titans in the AFC South. Ladies and gentlemen, Ryan Palenza. Ryan, as the general manager of the Tennessee Titans, who do you select? Well, with the second pick, I'm I'm going to take who I view as the best player in this draft. Maybe not necessarily a need. But seeing it in the division, the uh, versatility to move a guy up and down the draft, I'm taking Leonard Williams. Leonard Williams, very, very interesting pick, although I do have to say that he's been shooting up on the draft boards, and there have been a few people, not many, but there have been a few people that actually think that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers may actually go in that direction, and uh, which – what do you call? Honestly, I don't think it would be that bad of a pick if it, if he were to go number one. But mm-hmm. at number two, not be surprised. Shane, what's your what's your uh, take on uh, Leonard Williams going number two? If Tennessee can't trade down, I think this is the best pick that they can possibly make at this point. I think Leonard Williams is the one elite talent in this draft who can do everything. Tennessee. Bottom three against the run last year. If Leonard Williams is a player that can change that, plus he adds that size and that strength to have a little bit of pass rush. Yes, if you're Tennessee, 
maybe you'd like to get someone to come in and rush the passer a little bit better than, than a five technique in your defense. But, uh, they, you know, they signed Brian Arakpo. They have Derek Morgan. I think Leonard Williams up front, you get a big body. He can do it all. If they can't move down and don't want to take Marcus Mariota, I think this is a good pick. Well, Ryan, guess what? You're, what do you call it? You are actually, you know, you are still actually on the clock because with the third pick of the draft, we have the Jacksonville Jaguars. So as general manager of the Jacksonville Jaguars, who do you select? Well, I'm going a little outside the box on this one. Uh, they got Blake Bortles some help um, with uh, uh, Julius Thomas in the, in the uh, tight end. So with this, the third pick, I'm going to take Amari Cooper to give him some further help down the field. Amari Cooper at number three. A lot of people say he is the best athlete in this draft. Happen to agree, happen to agree with that. Shane, Amari Cooper at number three, considering the fact that they were looking for another game-breaker to go with Julius Thomas, do you agree or do you think they maybe should have went with someone else? I can't fault the value with Amari Cooper at number three. I, I think he is a great player, only 20 years old. He's got that deep speed. Uh, he's been dominant for multiple years. But if you're Jacksonville, I think you have the offensive weapons under control. You have Julius Thomas. You spent two second-round picks on Marquise Lee and Allen Robinson. I know you're not sure what you're getting out of uh, Justin Blackman, but Allen Hearns played pretty well as an undrafted free agent last season. I, I think this team needed defense. You're not going to find an elite pass rusher later in this draft. You can find a supplemental receiver there. I think Amari Cooper could be dominant, and he could definitely help Blake Bortles out. But if, if your defense, your pass rusher aren't going to hold up, I think that's going to be a problem. And, and I don't think this was a position that Jacksonville necessarily should have addressed this early. Now, with the number four pick, we got to go with the Oakland Raiders. And I know Twan Staley's been dying to make this pick. So, Twan, at number four, as the general manager of the Oakland Raiders, who do you select? Um, uh, Kevin White, wide receiver out of West Virginia. Kevin White, that's one of the other, what do you call the other top wide receivers, someone who's been shooting, shooting up the draft boards on many, many, many mocks. What do you, I personally love it because they need that. What do you call it? Carr needs that game breaker. They do have, you know, the, the offense is starting to get there, and I really do feel that this is the type of guy that can help open up the field a little bit for everybody else. Shane, your thoughts? I, I like it with Amari Cooper off the board. I think it's a really good pick. As you said, you have a quarterback finally in Oakland. You have some good interior linemen, and they have some veteran receivers, Michael Crabtree and James Jones. But Kevin White, you, you just can't teach the big physical athlete that fights for contested balls like he does, that gets off the jams of the line of scrimmage like he does and can high point. I think it's a great pick to have a number one like that. Crabtree can be your possession guy. James Jones, you can move around. This could really be good for the Oakland offense. I think they could have looked at the defensive side, but you can't fault them for going with what's probably their biggest need right here and get a potential stud in Kevin White. Now, what do you call? Just to let everybody know, we're going to take a two-second break. If anybody is following this mock draft on Twitter, the hashtag is Mad. Sci mock draft again. That's Mad Sci mock draft. I will be tweet- live tweeting throughout the show with this unbelievable group of talent that we have here, giving you their picks and everything like that. So again, the hashtag is Mad Sci mock draft. 
So we're going to move on now to number five with the Washington Redskins at number five. And because we're doing, a, we're, what do we go? We go into the NFC East. Make your pick. Okay, uh, I'm going to take a lot of heat for this because if you talk to a lot of Washington Redskins fans, they're convinced that they're have they have huge issues at quarterback. I, I don't see it that way. So, with this pick, you know when you go four and twelve, you you, you need to pick the defense. I'm going to go out or you know pick what everybody expects and pick Dante Fowler. I feel like he's the best player in the draft. Uh, certainly, with the improvement he showed with the lost weight, you know he can play defensive end, he can play outside linebacker. You know, in a defense that basically needs every single position, that's the type of guy that you could build it around. Shane, what's your take on this pick? Because I was looking at Fowler maybe being top ten, but not at number five. So what's your take on it? I really like it. I think he could go number two overall or number three, and I wouldn't blink an eye. So if you're Washington, if you feel comfortable with Robert Griffin, with Mariota on the board, I think pass rush is absolutely the next biggest need, and they get their pick of the litter with how the board has fallen with two wide receivers going off the board. And Dante Fowler may not have the most upside of pass rushers in this draft, but I think he is the safest player because he's compact, he's explosive, he's strong, and he uses a variety of pass rush moves to get – to the quarterback, and that's not something that's easily tossed, but it's something he already has in his repertoire. I think for Washington, you already have a good pass rusher in Ryan Kerrigan. You put him on the opposite side, and I think he's going to find success. So I really like this pick. I think they addressed a big need and a big position for them on that defense. Number six, the New York J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. And it's so apropos that someone from New Jersey is going to be making this pick for the AFC East. Jeff Lloyd, as general manager of the New York Jets, who do you take at number six? Um, if this scenario were to go down draft night, Jets Twitter would explode. It would explode because you have the ultimate Marcus Mariota's available. You have two out of the three edge rushers. You know, me personally, I think it could be down to only one left for this position, Thorn, the way it works out. Um, we're seeing a little bit of, you know, down talk on Vic Beasley. Vic Beasley's a phenomenal, phenomenal player. I have no problems with him. I would put him to Jacksonville. Um, Fowler's gone. It seems the Jets are really enamored with Bud Dupree. They like a big edge guy. You know, Bud, 6'3", over 270. You know, the pass rush skills are still coming along. Can set an edge and run defense. Um, gives you a little coverage. Seems a guy that they're really in love with. I, I, I like Marcus Mariota. I think he needs a little time to sit and learn, which why quarterbacks don't develop in this league is because they don't get the opportunity to sit and learn. There's not much development. I'll just take Bud Dupree. I've gotten a wide receiver. I've added a running back. I've added three corners. I've added a, you know, a free safety cornerback combo in, in Gilchrist. I'm going out and getting Bud Dupree. We've been chasing this Ed's position, trying to get it right for damn near a decade. That's the guy. But to Bree, actually, I really do like this pick. I really feel that this is something that the Jets would look at. Everybody would probably be screaming at the TV, Marcus Mariota, on draft night. But I tend to agree with you, Jeff. The question is, does Shane agree with you? Shane, your thoughts? Well, you know, another position the Jets have been trying to get right for decades, the quarterback position. So if, if you actually have a shot and one of the top two guys, you don't take it here. With Chan Gailey as your offensive coordinator, I think it would really would be a match made in heaven. 
tank Marcus Mariota. I, I'm not going to fault the Bud Dupree pick. I actually think this is this is about where he's going to go, and the Jets are a very real possibility. I love his size and athletic ability and how explosive he is. He's going to fit in this defense extremely well. Uh, so I, th- I think it is a good pick and a good fit. But that's that's the question. You pass up the quarterback for that. And it is possible we see this happen on draft day. Maybe teams are putting that smoke out there on Marcus Mariota and trading up for Marcus Mariota. And maybe there it really isn't this much interest. And could he fall past this sixth pick? It would make for a really interesting draft day. And I think it's going to be one of the fun scenarios to see play out right here. With the seventh pick of the draft, we have the Chicago Bears of the NFC North and representing the football educator, which is Ted Sunchrist's crew, so you know there's a lot of football minds going on over there. Brandon Thorne, as general manager of the Chicago Bears, who do you take? Well, the best player on our board right now is Vic Beasley. Um, The thing is, we have several edge guys. Um, I'm going to go with Devontae Parker. Uh, Our offense was 31st in the NFL last year. I'm sorry, 21st, uh, 23rd in scoring. Uh, We're married to Jay Cutler for quite a while, and we lost Brandon Marshall. We need a replacement there to go along with Alshon Jeffrey, who is a free agent next season as well, after next season. So this pick just makes a lot of sense for us, and he's actually the number one receiver on our board. So... Devontae. I really like this pick for Chicago. Lord knows how this team really needs, you know, really really needs to do something like this. Shane, what do you say? I like this pick, too. If, if the wide receivers get pushed up, like we've seen Amari Cooper, Kevin White going in the top five, and Devontae Parker probably getting pushed up as well. And I think Chicago is the team that needs a wide receiver. They have to trade away Brandon Marshall to have this. And I think Devontae Parker is actually a really good complement to Alshon Jeffrey. He can have Parker stretch the field a little bit. He still has that size that they look for as that number two wide out. But if, if you really want this offense to stay moving, you're going to need that other weapon. And I, I think Devontae Parker well worth a top ten pick in this draft. I really like it. As we move now to number eight, the Atlanta Falcons going back to the NFC South, representing the student section, Kevin Causey. Kevin, who do you got as the GM of the Atlanta Falcons? Well, not only am I a GM of the Atlanta Falcons, but I'm also a huge Falcons fan. So with the way the draft has played out so far, I think the Falcons fans would be really excited because they've got definitely some edge rushers still on the board and I think Vic Beasley falling down to number eight would be a dream for the Atlanta Falcons. Right now the Falcons have nobody who can even sniff the quarterback, and I think drafting Vic Beasley right here is a no-brainer for the Falcons. Vic Beasley, very, very strong pick. We do know the Falcons need some edge rushing. Shane, what do you think? Vic Beasley is my top edge pass rusher in this draft. I love that first step, that anticipation of the snap count, two dominant years from him, and he, he's played his best against the best competition. This is not this is the type of pass rusher Atlanta needs because they don't have it on the roster. Uh, I mean, they have Adrian Claiborne, Tyson Jackson, Croy Bierman, Malachi Goodman, these big, mm-hmm. long, big athletes. They need that small guy that can get after the passer off that left side 
that's what Vic Beasley can do so well for you. Atlanta really needs pass rush, and they're sitting in a good spot at eight to get one of the guys to fall. And they got the last one here in Vic Beasley in that top tier, in my opinion. By the way, just be good, what do you call it? Just want to let people know that we are, I'm actually good, what do you call it? There are people that, that are, like, really listening intently to this show, and we actually have a Jets fan, huge Jets fan, who's a huge fan of mine by the name of Paul Meyer. <clears throat> and this is how passionate Jet fans go. If Dupree goes six to the Jets, I may jump off the Skyway Bridge. <laughs> There's no way on earth that Mariota falls past six unless he murders puppies on live TV. Okay, yes, this is why we call it a mock draft. So calm down. But I would be very interested to see if you actually do that on Thursday night live at on April 30th. It would be very interesting to watch you do, to watch or hear you do that. Again, one of my oldest and dearest friends that, uh, what do you call from back in the day when I was a part of WFAN in uh, Florida, Paul Maya. Thank you for listening, Paul. Always, always a pleasure. So now we're going to the ninth pick, and we go to the other team here in New Jersey slash New York, the New York Giants with the NFC East and Terry Johnson. Oh, boy, you, you know you're on the spot right now because I know there are a bunch of Giant fan friends of mine that are listening to this show. So at number nine, what do the New York Giants do? Um, they select Danny Shelton out of Washington, who is the anchor for the 14th best uh, run defense in college football. Um, I'm sure I don't have to remind Giants fans that they were actually the worst run defense in the NFL last year, giving up over 4.9 yards of carry. I like Danny Shelton to come in there and command, you know, double teams on every play and open up the play for those linebackers uh, to get the job done. Another strong pick made over there. Shane, your thoughts? I don't really love it, and I could see the Giants going this way. I agree on that run defense note, but are you going to put him with Jonathan Hankins, two nose tackles up front there? Are you still going to have that kind of that whole uh, the other defensive tackle position? I, th- I know he's athletic. I know he's good, but you're basically drafting a nose tackle to fill two gaps for you. In the top ten, I think he can do better than that if you're the Giants. I think he can find someone to help you defend the run, and fill two gaps later in this draft. I I just think there are so many other options for them on the offensive line or take one of these guys that have have been falling. Um, I I like Danny Shelton. I I don't think he's a top-ten pick, and I think he's going to fall out of the top-ten on draft day. As now we go to the tenth pick, and we finally reach our first team from the NFC West, the St. Louis Rams. Justin Higdon, as the general manager of St. Louis, who do you take at number ten? Well, you know, St. Louis needs some St. Louis needs some improved quarterback play and Mariota's sitting there, but they just traded for Nick Foles, so I think they gotta find a way to protect him and I think we're going with the best offensive lineman in the draft, and that's Brandon Scherf. Um he's gonna get plugged in there either probably right tackle or right guard. And they've got to stand up to that pass rush that's in that NFC West that Seattle, San Francisco, and Arizona generate. So uh, Brandon Scherf's our pick at, at number 10. First offensive lineman going off the boards. Very strong pick at number 10. Totally agree with it because we do know what the pass rush is coming from San Francisco, Seattle, uh, Arizona. You know, it's just going to be absolutely, completely, 100% a dogfight in the trenches. Shane, what do you th- what do you say at number 10? 
I love this pick. St. Louis's right side is downright horrible, and Brandon Sheriff can come in and fix that almost immediately. Uh, he, he, I like the versatility there where you have the right tackle or right guard, and you have one of the better run blockers in college football last season. You get him to, to pave the way for Trey Mason. I think he's a good enough pass protector to play on that right side, and I think he's an instant starter with Pro Bowl potential. If you can get that where the Rams are picking, you got to take it. So to review the first time, the, the top ten picks, at number one, Kevin Causey, for selecting for the Buccaneers, takes Jameis Winston. At number two, Ryan Palancer, on behalf of the Titans, selects Leonard Williams. At number three, Ryan Palancer, for the Jaguars, selects Amari Cooper. At number four, Antoine Staley, on behalf of the Raiders, selects Kevin White. At number five, Terry Johnson, on behalf of the Redskins, selects Dante Fowler. At number six, Jeff Lloyd, on behalf of the Jets, selects Bud Dupree. At number seven, Brandon Thorne, on behalf of the Bears, selects Devontae Parker. At number eight, Kevin Causey, on behalf of the Falcons, selects Vic Beasley. At number nine, Terry Johnson, on behalf of the Giants, selects Danny Shelton. And at number ten, Justin Higdon, on behalf of the Rams, selects Brandon Schur. So before we go into the, the second third of the draft, Let's discuss. You know, let's have a quick discussion. I'm going to start with Brian Luis, who hasn't had a pick yet. So obviously, I want to get you on board over here. For those first ten picks, is there anything that you think that you would change, that you would swap out, or do you think that right now everything is right on? You know, right, uh, right par up to snuff with regards to with regards to this. I'm not going to oppose, and thank you very much, Nick, for having me on. Of course, you know, the AFC North was the deepest division in football last year, so I would expect not to be picking so far. But I do like the first five picks. I think the first five picks are fine. I think the Redskins with Dante Power is a little iffy, because I really like Trent Murphy coming out last year. You know that, too, Nick. I was very big on Trent Murphy last year. So I feel like Trent Murphy could start for the Redskins, but Fowler's a nice guy where you can probably flex those three guys, knowing that Kerrigan is an injury-prone player anyway. The Jets' Bud Dupree pick, I think it's the best pick they can make. And actually, one Jets fan told me Bud Dupree looks a lot like Vernon Golston as a Buckeye, and I find that insulting for Dupree because Vernon Golston never wanted to play football. Uh, the one iffy pick, I would say so far, actually the two iffy picks so far would be Shelton and Parker. I don't think Devontae Parker is a top 20 receiver. I don't think he's a top 20 pick. I think he's a guy where, without Teddy Bridgewater, he really struggled to really – He was he's more of a deep threat. He seems like more of a one-trick pony to me where – in short routes, he really struggles to separate from press coverage for a guy his size, and that really worries me. And that effort, he was, like, so nonchalant at the combine, it really irritated me. But Danny Shelton, to me, is like a sketchy one because Hankins is already there. But I also feel like the Giants should go offensive line, and the Bears should probably be looking at, I would say, Landon Collins. I would go Landon Collins in, in Chicago. A lot of Chicago fans are like, you know what? Who cares if we're going to freaking overdraft Collins? The safety position, you look at the way the safety position is changing, Landon Collins is that kind of player. And a guy who started every single game for three years at Alabama is a special player, no matter what way you slice it. So that's where I would have gone. Everything else, I mean, perfect everywhere else. I'm not going to object anything else there. Now, Twan, when you were picking, I'm going to ask you, you know, because you were picking for a race, when did you expect, you know, Amari Cooper to possibly, you know, if you were, like, sitting there in a draft room and you saw Amari Cooper go off at number three, did that give you could that make your draft pick that much easier on Kevin White? Because what if both Cooper and White were both sitting there for the Raiders at number four? Would there have been a coin flip, or 
you would have stuck to your guns? Oh, I probably would have took Cooper just because uh, I like his experience and you know I like what he's done like at the time he was at Alabama. So and I think he I think he's going to turn out to be the better wide receiver. But I think Kevin White has a better up higher upside. If you look at everything he can do, he's big, he's fast. Um, like I say, he can be an absolute playmaker in the league. So I really don't think it's really a bad, you know, pick either way. But, you know, yeah, it, to be honest with you, yeah, they made the job a little bit easier once taking Amari Cooper off the board. So I didn't have to think about it. I, my mind just instantly went to Kevin White. Now, Justin, do you see any of the top ten teams trying to make a move to get up in the draft because, you know, it's obvious, you know, the obvious white elephant in the room right now is that Marcus Mariota's name was not mentioned, but he's, you know, a lot of people are saying the Jets at six. A lot of people are saying that, you know, the Chargers are going to move up to number two or something like that. Do you see any big-time trades taking place on Thursday or any groundwork that's been laid for something to, to do so? Well, I think the uh, the big talk has been about Cleveland possibly trading up to number two to take Mariota. But the more the more I see, and really my own personal opinion is that Mariota, uh, it would not surprise me at all if he slips like we have happening right now. So, to me, kind of the most likely scenario would be a team trying to trade up into the top ten for a pass rusher because we've already seen. Guys like Beasley, um, Bud Dupree, and Fowler come off the board. And so if, if a team really wants one of these top pass rushers and doesn't want to have to try and gamble on a guy like Shane Ray or uh, Randy Gregory with their varying issues, then uh, maybe try and make a move up to get into the top ten for a pass rusher. But I, I don't really know what that team will be. I can almost guarantee uh, there's going to be some kind of trade up into the top ten. I just don't really know what the target is. And, we, you know, we saw the pass rushers and the receivers go off the board, uh, three of each already. So those would probably be uh, targets if there's a team outside the top ten that, that is that desperate to get in there and get one of those guys. Now, what do you call Shane, obviously you've been breaking, the, you know, you've been breaking down each of the picks or anything like that. Uh, I'm going to ask you the same question about trades. Do you see anything that could happen that may shake up the draft, you know, to its core? Or do you think that this is going to be one of those drafts where there's going to be a lot of talk and very little movement? I think there's going to be movement. I think we're going to see it, whether it is with Mariota and, and someone like Cleveland or San Diego. Or I think we can have an unexpected trade. I, I think the pass rusher uh, argument's very good if a team wants one of those guys. Or uh, I think I think Amari Cooper and Kevin White are also in that category. The teams could feel a separation after those guys, and maybe even just Cooper. And they could feel he's by far the best wide receiver in this draft. they got to go up ahead of Oakland and get him. That that could be a cue for someone like Jacksonville to potentially move down. I think we do see some surprises and some trades, maybe even the back end of the top ten. If someone wants a Brandon Sheriff or wants to start that offensive lineman run, then they might move up. Um, or maybe a team like the New Orleans Saints for a pass rusher. I think they can move up for Vic Beasley. Perhaps they have the two first-round picks. I, I think we see – I'm going to go two trades in the top ten, and I'd say that's pretty darn good for a draft. Now, Jeff. You know, being that, you know, once you I, so I told you about the AFC East and you knew you were drafting for the Jets, it was like kind of sort of apropos. 
being that we both live that we both live in New Jersey. You know, it, it seems to me that no matter who the Jets take, it will be scrutinized to like the nth degree, just for the sheer fact that it's the Jets, because we know what's happened to them in the past. You know, we don't have to rehash with Johnny Lamb Jones, with Blair Thomas, Vernon Goldston, Ken O'Brien. You know, the list goes on and on. Mike McKagan has a very, very, very tough. Is in a very tough spot, and this is his first, you know, time as the head of the, you know, the head of the draft room. You know, even though he was like one of the football minds coming out of the Houston Texans, do you think that no matter who he picks here, whether it be Dupree or Mariota or could be someone else, that it's going to be scrutinized to no end? Well, I mean, you know, and for the, you know, obviously the rest of you guys, I'm sure you hear about the way New York is. And the thing is, with, you know, the talk radio around here, the biggest talking head in this area, him and the Jets just don't get along. So that's how this comes to pass, and we, we hear about this constantly around here. Um, the thing I love the best is that, you know, Max and Todd Bowles, these guys have been buddies for 20 years. These guys know each other inside and out. They know what each other likes. They know what they like in players. So the players can work. And that's probably one of the reasons I would pass on Mariota, just because – you know, a kid coming here, and now here we are again, a quarterback trying to be the savior. We've gone through this with Mark Sanchez. We've gone through this with Pennington when Favre came here. Hey, it's all great. It's all bells and whistles. And then they have one game where they throw three interceptions, and guess what? They're dumped on royally. Um, that's why I'd rather go a safer player and, you know, add to the defense, get the defense as good as possible. You know, especially if you bring in an edge player, you have those great DNs and Sheldon Richardson and Mo Wilkerson. I mean, it's going to be very easy on a rookie to be able to get in the backfield and create havoc. Go the safe route because, you know, every year they expect the team to go from drafting six to winning a Super Bowl. You know, the, uh, you know nobody's going to wait around here on winning, you know. So let's, you know, see some good progression early and not put it all on the arms of a guy like Mariota or a quarterback here at six. We've gone that route. It doesn't work. Now, Brandon, being that you're with the NFC North right now and you made your pick with the Bears and everything like that, obviously the big need for the Bears is, is in the defensive secondary. Outside of, you know, do you, what do you call it, do you see anybody else that they would be targeting at seven, you know, in case, like, someone were to slide down? Or do you think they're going to stick to, they're going to just going to stick to their guns? Well, yeah, I mean, uh, I think uh, Danny Shelton is, you know, going to be definitely somebody they think about just because the way their defense was last year up the middle, they were horrible. You know, they were uh, 31st in scoring defense, 30th in pass defense, and just overall just a bad defense. And, um, you know, the switching over to the 3-4, they don't really have a true nose on the roster. They have Will Sutton, you know, right now on their depth chart and nose, and, you know, he's 303 pounds. So, I, you know, I, I just don't know if uh, – He's going to get the job done there. I'm sure he'll get a shot. But Danny Shelton's ideal nose tackle, um, you know, he's going to come in right away and, you know, be great versus the run and improve their defense significantly. Um, So I think Danny Shelton is definitely somebody that they would look at. Um, You know, a wild card for me, um, somebody like Kevin Johnson at corner, you know, because they have Kyle Fuller, but uh, Kevin Johnson for me is my favorite corner in the draft. And, uh, I think they could really look at him there, um, you know, to pair with Kyle Fuller because aside from him, their whole secondary needs help. But, you know, that could be somebody. Um, I think there's an outside shot of Landon Collins. But uh, their offense was bad last year too and getting rid of Marshall. And then personally, I, Devontae Parker is my number one guy. So 
it wasn't, you know, much of a decision for me. Ryan, you pretty much, you know, got off the board with numbers two and number three right off the bat with the Jaguars and the Titans. What do you call? You mentioned, you know, you mentioned in the beginning, you know, the Titans are in that in that seat where a lot of movement can possibly be made because. Uh, San Diego's been uh, been mentioned there. Cleveland's been mentioned there. If you were the GM of the of the Tennessee Titans, what is it that you're looking for on draft day in order for you to actually move down in the draft? Do you think that the three way deal with the with Cleveland and San Diego is something that you that Cleveland and San Diego would be something worthwhile, or do you think you should just stick to your guns, take the best player, you know, take the best player in Williams, and you know, and let it ride from there? Well, honestly, with both of those teams that I was taking in the first round, with both Tennessee and Jacksonville, I, I think trade down is a serious option. Um, as far as what I'm looking for back, I definitely want a couple of firsts, um, a third and another combo pick somewhere in there. Um, I don't know if necessarily I want Philip Rivers back. Um, I don't necessarily know that he's a great fit as far as that system. Uh, also, another aging quarterback it doesn't really address the position. Um, as far as Mariota, too, I don't think he's a good fit either. Um, I, with both of these teams, it's, it's a rebuilding process, and if, if there's no trade option, then absolutely take the best player available. And last but certainly not least, Terry Johnson. Terry, you know, drafting for the NFC East, you had the Redskins, you know, you had the Redskins, and, you know, Scott McLuhan, you know, this is going to be his first draft with the Redskins, and, you know, He's been touted to be one of the better football minds, but you're working for a guy like Dan Schneider. Do you think there's going to be some fireworks in the in the uh, Redskins war room leading into this draft, leading into this draft, or do you think that you know Schneider's actually going to say, you know, I'm going to leave the football decisions to the football people? Well, I was going to say, looking at Daniel Schneider's business record, he's he's basically proven that uh, he doesn't make the same mistakes twice. He, he can't get to be that successful. Without it, so I would like to think that he's not going to do. He's not going to channel his inner Jerry Jones, and he's basically going to say, "I've hired football people to do a football task. I'm going to just get out of their hair and let them pick the best player available." Well, what do you call it? so far, ladies and gentlemen? As you heard these great, great draft, you know, draft Knicks talk about, we're in the middle of our. Mad Scientist 2015 NFL Mock Draft Show, and we're going to get going now with the second third of the draft. We're going to start with the 11th pick of the draft, the 11th pick being the Minnesota Vikings. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, as you all remember, that's the Mad Scientist's favorite team. And drafting for the Minnesota Vikings in the NFC North is none other than Brandon Thorne. Brandon, who did a Vikings take at number 11? Well... There's two names on our board right here that I'm looking at. Um, I'm I'm going to say that we're going to keep Adrian Peterson, but if not, Todd Gurley would be somebody we'd really look at. So with the assumption that, you know, we're going to go ahead and keep Adrian, he's going to be happy here. I'm going to go to the defense, which is Mike Zimmer's specialty, obviously. He uh, improved our defense from the 31st total defense in 2013 to the 14th. 2014, and we're expecting another significant jump with this pick. We need help in uh, in the linebacking core. Chad Greenway is a free agent next year, so we're going with Shaq Thompson. Um, we want somebody who can excel 
in coverage, somebody who's instinctive and fast, um, middle linebacker and weak side linebacker for us uh, is looking really thin, and we're not sure we can re-sign Greenway next year. So Thompson will will get some you know get him in on sub packages next season, and then he'll take over in 2016. So Shaq. Very interesting. You what do you call? I'm under the assumption that Adrian Peterson may be gone on draft night, and Todd Gurley would be a lovely pick for lovely pick. Although I, the injury history bothers me a little bit, I would me personally, I would actually be thinking Melvin Gordon. Uh, Shane, what do you think? I, mean, I just think it's really high for Shaq Thompson. And at this point, if you're Minnesota, yeah, linebacker is definitely an issue. I think there'll be some value for you in that second round. With Shaq Thompson, you're getting a player that is is going to be undersized, not very good at shedding blocks. He has he he can make the big play, um, but you're going to stick him over there at weak side linebacker where Greenway played strong side most of his career. I think you have Barr and Thompson, two guys that are just undersized. You're going to need to use in creative ways. I I think it's going to hurt you at the second level as a run defense. So I think it's a little high for him, and I don't think it's necessarily the best linebacker they could have even taken there. Uh, this is definitely a pick I would criticize. Hey, we're going to the 12th pick of the draft with the Cleveland Browns. And, boy, have they had one hell of an offseason. Maybe it'll get better for them right now because the AFC North, his first pick in the draft, his personal first pick in the in the uh, Mad Scientist 2015 mock draft, Brian Louise finally welcome to the party. At number 12, Cleveland Browns, who do you got? Tough pick for me because <laughs> a lot of the players I would have loved to have draft, I would have loved to have Kevin White here at number 12. Uh, but I feel here offensive line is the best way to go at number 12, as far as I'm concerned, for the value, and I'm going to go with the Leal Collins of LSU. He can play guard or tackle. I think he's like the SEC version of Sheriff in a, a little way, but with Joe Thomas a left tackle, you know one thing, you don't need a guy on that side. The whole left side of the line is done for Cleveland. I think Petonio is the piece, and now you put Collins at right guard or right tackle, and you figure it out. I would hope right tackle because Mitchell Schwartz is awful. Uh, and John Greco, I think, is a serviceable guard. So I'm going to finish off that offensive line here, number 12. Very, very interesting pick. I tend to agree because they did have, they, you know, they did struggle on the opposite side of where Joe Thomas plays and everything like that, and I think this would be a very smart pick on their end. Although I do feel that, you know, they still have a few holes elsewhere. Shane, what, do you think that this was a smart pick, or do you think they should have went, uh, they should have went somewhere else? I think it's a very realistic pick for them. I do think they want to upgrade over Mitchell Schwartz on, on the, the right tackle spot. And uh, to be honest, Lyle Collins, uh, he's even come out and said he thinks he's the Browns' number one tackle in this draft. So uh, that's a pretty good sign. But Marcus Mariota sitting there for the Browns. They didn't have to move up for him uh, in, in our draft. No one has taken him yet. Uh, and it seems the Browns are going to pass for, for Josh McCown and Johnny Manziel, um, and, and maybe the Chargers will be able to snatch him up before their second pick. So I'm a little surprised they didn't go the, the quarterback way, but Lyle Collins is a really good player, my top tackle, and, and the, the, that big body athleticism and strength he just can't teach. Uh, he could be a real nice addition. Remember, they looked at Greg Robinson last year. They are very interested. Lyle Collins kind of the poor man's version of Greg Robinson here. Now, can I go uh, further explain the Mariota thing? I'm just not big on Mariota. Uh, I don't think he's the kind of quarterback. I think basically you're getting a taller Manziel in a way because they kind of they kind of play the same way. Mariota's got a much better arm, 
But I'm also looking at next year's class, too. If I'm a Cleveland GM putting on the hat, I'm looking at next year's class. I see three top 15 picks, possibly, with the way it could turn out. If uh, Whoever the Ohio State quarterback is between Barrett and Jones, that guy is going to be a very highly touted player. And you've got Hackenberg and Cook, who I feel are two potential franchise guys. So if you're Cleveland and you think McCown's going to be like he was in Tampa next year, doesn't sound good for, for Cleveland fans, but, I mean, those two guys will be set up very nicely. And I think if you can get two great players in this draft, it sets you up nice in the future. So kind of the way that uh, the way that the opposite, kind of like how Houston's doing right now, that's kind of the way I want to build it. You know what I mean? Like the way Baltimore did with Joe Flacco. Don't build around the quarterback. Build, don't build with the quarterback. Build around the quarterback. And that's kind of the way I want to go about it. Okay, that's a, that's what do you call very interesting a very interesting take. You know that's very well noted. At the number thirteen pick, we have the New Orleans Saints. Now there's a team that also had a very rough off season. It's but it was them. But this is what happens when you get into your, when you get into cap hell. And when I mean cap hell, I mean thirty million dollars over the cap hell. Not not good by Mickey Loomis at one step of the job. But I have a funny feeling that Kevin Clausey will help alleviate the pressure on Mr. Loomis by making this pick. Kevin, at number 13, New Orleans Saints select whom? We've actually got a lot of options here. I actually have a lot of options here. Mm-hmm. What I'm looking at is what I'm looking at is um you know, definitely some edge rushers like Shane Ray and Randy Gregory are available, but both have had issues. So I think what we're going to do is go to the defensive backfield. Uh, the Saints did pick up Brandon Browner this offseason, but I don't love that move. So we're going to go with the best cornerback in the draft, Trey Waynes from Michigan State. Trey Waynes from Michigan State. Actually, what do you call I personally believe he may be the best cornerback in the draft as well. Shane Hallam, what do you say about that? I, th- I think it's a good pick. I think he's going to be gone by this point, and, and it all depends on how New Orleans view those corners. If if you're right, if they don't like Browner that much, if they don't believe Stanley Jean-Baptiste, who they drafted in the second round last year, will develop, then Trey Waynes can step in, be the number two opposite of Keenan Lewis, and I think you have a really good combo that's physical and that can uh, both of those guys can turn and run. And we know that secondary was a big issue for the Saints. So I can definitely understand not being comfortable with either any of the edge guys right now. You get a potential top ten player in Trey Wayans who has huge upside at the cornerback position. I do really like the pick. Okay, that's what might be Chicago or Atlanta if those two teams, you know, because those two teams were really hurting on defense last year. Going to number 14, 14, the Miami Dolphins back in the AFC East, we're going to go to Jeff Lloyd. Jeff, as general manager of the Miami Dolphins, who do you select? Um, Obviously, because it's another AFC East team, I would rather go long snapper or kicker here. Um, But I think the Dolphins, I, I like the progression the Dolphins are making. Uh, obviously, the Kenny still trade. They got Mike Wallace out of there. Seemed, definitely seemed like a guy who got his money and was not a great locker room guy. Now you also bring in Greg Jennings. That's a nice receiving core with Jarvis Landry from last year. Um, I think they're going to pick up another pick or additional picks because I don't think Dion Jordan's going to be there much longer. It seems like the marriage is over. It's just not getting along. So I'm going to go for a guy here. There's few guys left in this draft who have top five talent. One of them is currently injured and is a running back. 
I have enough going on offensively. I can wait and let him progress. So I'm going to go ahead and I tweeted out on uh, once the Jennings signing was made official. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to take Todd Gurley. Um, him getting suspended, first thing I was talking about was, you know what, Todd, just forget it, just go. Just go. Don't worry, you know, just worry about becoming an NFL player. You don't want to take a break off when you're going into the draft process. He ended up taking almost, you know, like a 23, 24-day break, came back in, you know, the knee blew out. It's, I mean, it's a sad story you could hear. I mean, if you want to go back in time and try to compare him to another player, you know, with that position, maybe get Willis McGahee. But Willis's injury was a lot worse. And Todd may have been a little bit better on tape because I don't think he played with the talent that Willis did at Miami. If I can get a guy who, if we were talking pre-knee injury, was going top five, I can get him at 14. And I am feel confident with what I have in the locker room already. Yeah, Todd Gurley is my pick. Shane Hallam, your thoughts? I really like it. I personally wouldn't take a running back in the first round. That's just me. But for Miami, with the position that they're in, the top three wide receivers are off the board. Um, Todd Gurley would be such a dynamic option for this offense. And his knee check down in Indianapolis, uh, and, and I, a lot of teams think he might even be ready for training camp. So you might not even have to wait all that long to get Todd Gurley on your team. You have to love the compliment with Lamar Miller. And that makes this offense really dangerous. It was really progressing last year for Miami. So I think it's a very realistic pick for them at 14. And I think he'd be a great addition to the offense, with the offensive line that they have and, and the zone scheme that, that they have in there. He, he can work in that very well. So I really like that mm. selection. At number 15, we go to the San Francisco 49ers, another team that had some major upheaval this offseason. Justin Higdon. At 15, as general manager of the 49ers, where do you go from here after everything that's been going on? Well, there's a lot of places I could go with this pick, but, um, you know, the biggest thing that I see is that they've lost their top – they've lost two of their top cornerbacks in Culver and Parrish Cox. And I'm, I see a guy who I think is the best cornerback in the draft still sitting here, and that's Marcus Peters from Washington, and I know he was dismissed from the team. Uh, from what I have heard and from what I understand, there were just some friction between uh, Marcus Peters and even some of the other veterans on that team and the new coaching staff that came in last year. So I, I think if San Francisco is comfortable and they think micro, or, uh, they think that Marcus Peters will uh, play ball for them, that's the pick, and I think that's going to be a big-time steal for them at 15. Shane Hallam, your thoughts on Marcus Peters? I think it's a really nice fit. Uh, if Marcus Peters checks out off the field, then this is about where he would go. San Francisco has obviously shown a willingness to take on and mm. stick with some players with some of these off-the-field concerns. But Peters has that size and the speed. He's low. He's a fairly fluid player who who is scrappy, who will fight, fight for those contested passes. It's just about what does that uh, suspension, getting kicked off the team, really mean? Uh, is the, the NFL scout that, that said that he choked out an assistant coach that Washington denied? Yeah, a lot you have to hash out with that. But I think San Francisco is a team that has a need. He fits and it's good value for the talent that he has. So I do like that pick at 15 for San Fran. At number 16, the Houston Texans finished the year 9-7 and seven last year. What do you call Now we're getting to the teams that you, that were very close or were in the playoffs. You know, depending on the team, there might 
been some major upheaval, but there might be teams that are looking up to shore up some loose ends. So at number 16, Ryan Blancer as general manager of the Texans. Well, I think everybody did a favor for me here. The Texans really have two big needs on offense. One's quarterback, one's wide receiver. And with Mariota still out there, that, that's that got to be the pick. And it uh, saved me some ridicule from Shane because my wide receiver at this pick is uh, a guy who could be one of the most talented in the class, but the kind of the same way with Peters is Doriel Green Beckham. So your pick is Green Beckham? No, my pick is Mariota. Oh, you pick us Mariota. Okay, so Marcus Mariota finally off the board at 16. Not exactly like Aaron Rodgers circa 2003, excuse me, 2005, but a nice slide down the board. Do you tend to agree with this, with this Shane? I, I, I love the pick. I think if, you, if you're Houston, probably not in your plans to draft a quarterback, but if Marcus Mariota is sitting there and he kind of falls into your lap at 16, mm-hmm. you have to take that chance, and uh, you can kind of have that four-way battle for the position. So I really like that. Do I think he falls as far in draft day? I don't. Uh, I think there will be a team that, that will grab him if he starts falling uh, somewhere in the top ten uh, or trade up just a little bit and end up grabbing him. Um, and I'm, I'm not – even the biggest Marcus Mariota fan in the world, but uh, I, I think you see the leadership, you see the arm talent, you see, you see the potential, and if there's a guy that can work with him and get him to hit his potential, it would be Bill O'Brien for the Houston Texans um, and just how he's developed quarterbacks in the past from New England to Penn State. Uh, I, so I think this would be a great fit if it could happen, even if it's not really in Houston's plans, and you can find that wide receiver later. I, I love it. Now we go back to the AFC West End, number 17, Antoine Staley, drafting on behalf of the San Diego Chargers. Don't know if they're still going to be here, but if they happen to stay put at 17, Antoine, who do you take? I'm going to take Melvin Gordon, uh, running back from Wisconsin. And it, what do you call? Do you think what do you call? This is like the perfect place to take Melvin Gordon because, as everybody know, as you know, you know we've talked about this before. I'm a big Melvin Gordon fan. I personally think Melvin Gordon is the best running back in the draft. Knowing that Ryan Matthews is no longer there and the hole that they have, this would be to me. This would be the perfect would be the perfect pick. Shane, do you agree with that? I think it's a good pick. I think it's a big need for them, and I don't think there's another player that really jumps out to you as being great value or fitting a big big hole when that running back position, uh, Brandon Oliver, Danny Woodhead, and Donald Brown just don't seem to be enough. You need someone else there, and Melvin Gordon has proven how good he is and the production that he has. I think he's a really good outside runner with good vision for the inside. Um, I think he's an underrated pass catcher, even though he didn't do it a lot. We saw at the combine. I feel comfortable with him as a pass catcher. San Diego can use him in a variety of ways to be the lead back, and he has some support on third down from the guys they have on the roster. It's an important position for this team. I think it's a good pick and, and a decent value. He should go probably at the back end of the top 20. Antoine, you're not off the hook, sir, because at number 18, right behind him, another person, mm. another team from the AFC East, the Kansas City Chiefs are on the clock. Who mm. do you take at 18? Um, this may be a little shocker, but uh, I want I want I want to take uh, Doria Green Beckham, wide receiver out of Oklahoma. Actually, I don't think it's much of a shocker because outside of Jeremy. 
yeah, I don't know about the rest of the talent over there. We all know what happened last year with that wide receiving core. Well, Shane, what do you think? I think Kansas City's looking strongly at wide receiver. I would be surprised if Doriel Green Beckham goes this high, though. I think if, if you're KC, they're probably looking at Brashad Perriman, maybe Jalen Strong. I mean, Green Beckham obviously is a very talented player. There's no denying that and the physical potential with his size and speed and strength that he brings. But those, those, those off-field concerns, uh, they, they loom large from, from drugs to, to crime to domestic violence. There's, there's multiple things and, and more under the surface potentially. Uh, I just think it's a really high chance to take if you're Kansas City um, to, to draft this wide receiver on a team that has Alex Smith, the quarterback. And, and I just wonder if Kansas City would make that kind of investment, if, if any team in the first round would make that kind of investment and Green Beckham. So I like the position, but I think the player, I think it's a bit high. I think Green Beckham could be in for a fall out of the first round. At number 19, from the Buffalo Bills in a trade that was made earlier this, earlier this year, the Cleveland Browns will have their second pick in a draft. Now, Brian Lewis, Brian Lewis, you are on the clock. Who do you take with the, with the second pick of the first round for the mm-hmm. Cleveland Browns? Well, I was thinking about taking him at number 12, but Collins was too good to pass up at number 12 because, to me, Collins is a top-ten pick. And this kid also, I had mocked to, my jet, uh, to the Jets in the last mock draft that I did in the, uh, last, uh, a couple weeks ago when I was on at uh, WMLN in Boston. And I'll tell you what, it's going to be Shane Ray. If Shane Ray falls to 19, Cleveland's going to take him and put him right opposite of Paul Kruger, and now they're going to have kind of a double-headed pass-rushing monster kind mm-hmm. of going forward. That defense looks like a pretty decent group. Yeah, I what do you call? I got to tell you that you, you know Shane Shane Ray, you know the injury is scaring a lot of people, and you know what do you call falling down the board this far into the last of the Cleveland Browns would not surprise me one bit. Shane Hallam, what do you think? I, I think this comes down to, to Shane Ray's injury and how much you think it affects him. I do really like the fit, and I think pick wise for Shane Ray's talents that his explosion, his short area ability is so good, and he is very good at, at going head up and getting that good leverage with his athletic ability. It fits. You lost your ball sheared, Arkevius Mingo, you're hoping will progress along, but uh, Shane Ray I think would be nice in that right outside linebacker spot if Mingo doesn't work out, and, and I do think it's a need. But the question is, is that turf toe going to hold him back how big how big of an injury is it? How big of a concern is it? Uh, it seems like it, it maybe was overplayed in the media a little bit, and, and that could really have him still going in the top 20. So I, I like the pick, and I think it's a real nice fit in 3-4 with Cleveland. And with the 20th pick, we have the Philadelphia Eagles. Chip Kelly. Now, I proclaim myself to be the mad scientist of sports, but so far this offseason, the mad scientist has been Chip Kelly with what he's been doing in, in, in Philadelphia. For the life of me and for the life of many football fans and fanatics and, you know, experts and everything, they're still trying to figure out what's going on in, in that crazy mind of his. So, uh, Terry Johnson at number 20, can you delve into the mind of Chip Kelly and find out who he's taking at number 20? Uh, yes, I, I, I'll go ahead and say I, I thought the ideal choice would be uh, Doriel Green-Beckham, and the reason that I say that is uh, he's a talented player. Yeah, he's got some trouble in his past, but who better than Chip Kelly to put that aside? I mean, a lot of people forget, you know, the, the way he handled the whole thing with uh, LeGarrette Blunt. You know, that was his first game as a college coach, and yet, you know, it, 
he was able to get things turned around. You know, Blunt's gone on. He's had a productive NFL career. I would have liked to have seen Dory Al Green Beckham go to Philadelphia. So, again, Chip Kelly can, you know, can mentor him and, and, and help him get on as a better player. I mean, nobody would ever question his talent. They, they you know, they, they might question some of the off-the-field stuff, but there's no questioning what happens when he does get on the field. But since he's not available, the net, my, my next pick, the Eagles clearly need a receiver, and I, I think it's going to be Brashard Perryman. What I liked about him was his explosiveness. Uh, again, he averaged almost 21 yards a catch last year. Uh, with Jeremy Macklin gone, you need a dependable receiver that can, you know, can stretch the field a little bit. I like his ability to do that. Um, another thing, actually living in the South, you know, I, you know, I grew up in Atlanta. I, I, got, I got to watch Georgia O'Leary's teams play a lot. I know for a fact that any receiver that ever plays for Georgia O'Leary understands the importance of blocking downfield. So I like that pick because he can stretch the field, but, you know, if I need him to block downfield, I know he can do that too. Shane, what do you think about that pick? I think it fits. It fits what the Eagles want to do. I'm not the biggest Perriman fan in the world. Uh, he has world-class size and speed, and, and you're right. He, he can lay the lumber in the blocking game, and I think he's a little more – I don't think he's just a workout warrior, I should say, because he does have some football IQ and how to catch corners flat-footed. But um, he, he is a player that you, you get physical with him. He shrinks very quickly, and he, he uses his body to catch a lot. So there's going to be development needed. That being said, Philly – has uh, he would be a nice, real nice compliment to Jordan Matthews. I think him and Jordan Matthews could play off of each other well, and you could use Perriman down the field, Matthews for some of the possession stuff. So uh, whether it's whether it's Perriman or Nelson Aguilar or Jalen Strong, I think Philly could definitely address the wide receiver position here. And um, if Perriman's still sitting there, I'll be interested to see if they take him. Good pick. So, ladies and gentlemen, that completes the second third of the of the Mad Scientist 2015 Mock NFL Draft. And to review, numbers 11 through 20 are as follows. At number 11 with the Minnesota Vikings, Chad Thompson. At number 12 with the Cleveland Browns, Lots Collins. At number 13 with the New Orleans Saints, Trey Wayans. At number 14 with the, with the Miami Dolphins, Todd Gurley. Number 15. With the 49ers, Marcus Peters. Number 16 with the Texans, Marcus Mariota. At number 17 with the Chargers, Melvin Gordon. At number 18, Doriel Green Beckham with the Chiefs. At number 19, we got Shane Ray with the Browns. And at number 20, just made Rashard Perryman with the Eagles. We're flying right through this draft, but you know we're going to take a little bit of a we're going to take a little bit of a break to break down these ten picks. And Shane, I'm going to uh, what do you go? Obviously, I'm going to start with you. Is there anything here from eleven to twenty that you see happening that may throw a little bit of a monkey wrench? Do you see any trades taking place here in the middle of the draft with some teams trying to fly up to take someone that's flying down the draft board? I think we could see some trades, and actually, I think it could be for a position that we don't normally see get taken or get traded for. Uh, That's running back. If Todd Gurley goes at 14 to Miami, then does a team like Dallas try to jockey for a position with San Diego to take Melvin Gordon? Does he suddenly become in demand? Uh, And and if that doesn't happen, then maybe we see Dallas maneuver down a little bit and to take Kevin Coleman. Uh, So I I think we actually could see some running back positioning happening here. Um, I'd be interested to to see the, the the pass rusher position continue of where does Shane Ray go um, you know where do you take him 
Didn't, does someone move up for him if he's checked out, if they feel like they, they wanted one of the top guys and missed out? So I think pass rushers will still be an issue. And, uh, yeah, I, I think this is going to be an intriguing part of the draft where you could see teams take chances on character players where you, or you could see teams just scoop up value that falls. This, this, these ten picks are going to be very important. Okay, going to our esteemed panel, we're going to start with Brian Luis. And with 12 and like with 12 and 19, you know, having the Cleveland Browns like you did, and pretty much giving them the two best players, and seeing Shane Ray fly, you know, fly down the draft board. Now, if you were the Cleveland Browns general manager, would you be worried about that injury? Because it seems to me that all of a sudden a lot of red flags are going up about it. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the injury red flags happen. I mean, it happened to Jalen Strong, too. Jalen Strong's a top-20 pick when I when I was watching during the season. And, of course, Perriman was a third-round prospect to me during the season. So, it, it, to me, I look at the film, and that's the main thing I look at, and I just see Shane Ray. He's a top-10 pick. And I know the injury's going to hurt, but the doctor did say he's not a recommended surgery. And, actually, what I, I've actually just looked it up now. is I, the Doctors are 50-50 on this. So, it would really come down to the training staff. If it, I would I would just appoint to them be like, okay, how do you feel about this injury? And I know one thing for sure if I'm Cleveland. I'm not taking Greenback and I'm not taking Randy Gregory because we already had enough problems with Josh Gordon. So and if that was the case, Nick, where the injury, the training staff didn't want to pan out and pick Ray at 19, I picked Malcolm Brown. That's what, that's the guy right there. Put him at the five mm-hmm. technique and call it a night, you know. And that's still, I think, to me, that's still a great pick. Or Armstead from Oregon. I think, all, you know, there's a couple of the picks there where you don't have to take a chance on 19. I think you want to get two studs. And no matter what, you still have Kiki Mingo. So even if you don't get Shane Ray until maybe when the Giants have Beckham, like week six, week seven, that's all good to me. I, that's the way I look at it. And that's what you want. You want long-term. You're not looking for short-term. Because this is not a team that's going to be for a Super Bowl trophy. Now, Ryan, being that, you know, you're, you're picking for the AFC South and you see Marcus Mariota fall into your lap, you know, at number you know at number 16, if he was not there, was there anybody else that you were prepared to take for, for, the, uh, for, for the Texans? Yeah, I was, I was fully prepared to take Green Beckham. Um, I, I heard what, uh, what Shane was saying about uh, Bershard Perriman. I completely agree with that. Um, I, I don't see him as... Uh, as the same players bring back them. The off the field issues, definitely something there. Um, but, but with the talent there at 16 and the need at wide receiver, especially losing Andre Johnson, uh, that, that was the direction I was ready to go. Now, Jeff, you know, with the AFC East, you know, you went with Todd, you know, you went with Todd Gurley. You told, you know, you were correct in, in saying that the doctors checked out his knee, the knee is out. But knowing that, injury history, knowing what's happened to him the last couple of years. We know the explosiveness. We know what this guy can do. But if you were, if you're the Miami doctors right now, are you know, after he, as soon as he gets drafted, are you like putting him on a regimen to strengthen both knees? Because let's be honest, if I'm a fan of the Miami Dolphins, I'd be happy, but I would be cautiously optimistic just for the sheer fact that I, that I would be so worried that one bad cut and that knee's going out again. See, when we get to medicals, obviously, there's, you know, for me and most of the guys on the show, I mean, we can get all the tape we want and all that stuff. You know, the medical stuff is preppy. If you tell me it's only one ligament, and like I mentioned earlier when I made the pick, McGahee, total shred, 
you know, if we want to bring up another guy, uh, you know, Efo, the cornerback out of uh, Oregon, total knee shred. That's a lot of recovery. The ACL now seems to be, you know, we know the path, eight to ten months. Your first year back, you're 80 to 85 percent. The second year back, we usually see the 100 percent of you. Obviously, there's risks. I mean, people have done the studies about, you know, when you pull out the, you know, when you pop the next one or you pop the same one twice. I mean, that math has been done, and it's, it's definitely a risk. But I see a top-five talent. You know, I see I'm getting him at 14. I don't have to rush him. He can go on the pup list and miss the first six weeks. But I know what I'm getting down the line. And, yes, there's always worries. You know, there's worries, but there's worries with every player as far as their ACLs. It's just the way you got to deal with it. You know, it, the question is, did you love the player enough, and did he check out everywhere else that you're okay you're taking the risk? And everything else checked out. So, I'm okay with it. I'm still okay with it. And just, you know, that's one, you know, it may come back to bite you. But, you know, I'm okay with the player at the, and the position I took him at. Now, Juan, being that you're drafted to the AFC West, you're, you know, you're sitting there, you go back-to-back. Melvin Gordon, definitely in need for Chargers. Beckham, you know, Green Beckham, definitely in need for the, uh, for the, uh, for the Chiefs. Is this the way you think that it's going to go for both the Chargers, you know, for the Chargers and the Chiefs? Because again, we've said it at I've said it at nauseum. We don't even know if the Chargers are going to stay there. They may be at number two. We don't know what's going on yet. But if they do stay at 17 and Melvin Gordon's there, it would be a no-brainer for them to take him. And the same thing with the Chiefs, because as we stated, that wide receiving core last year was so bad. They, you know, they took Macklin. They're going to draft a wide receiver in this draft. I wouldn't be surprised if they take, you know, take more weapons, you know, in the in the in the uh, in the early in most of the early rounds. So, do you see this happening? You know, if both teams were to stay where they are, um, the Chargers, yeah, because obviously you hit all it like they definitely need a running back. Ryan Matthews is no longer there, and, and he didn't necessarily work out in the first place anyway. They're still looking for a replacement for LaDainian Tomlinson, and I think Melvin Gordon fits fit that need. The Chiefs, I mean, they can go a different, lot of different options. Wide receiver is obviously a need. Um, they can also address the um, secondary as well. I could definitely see them taking a cornerback in that situation. It just kind of depends. It always depends on how the board shakes out. But, you know, I definitely think the Chiefs are have a lot more options there at their pick. Now, Brandon, you where do you see, you know, in the middle of this draft right now, where do you see, because you went at 11 with the Minnesota Vikings, you know, they do have a couple of other holes. Is there someone else that you think the Vikings may have in mind if they go in a different direction? Um, yeah, I mean, they, they could go a lot of ways. You know, they could go offensive line if you feel like somebody's worth it there. Um, you know, their offense was pretty bad last year. I, I, they gave up uh, – they were 28th in sacks given up. So, you know, definitely you need to protect Teddy. So that could be something you go with. Um, you know, Gurley, as I mentioned, is a possibility. Uh, but I, I just I really like the versatility that Shaq brings. Um, you know, he lined up his safety outside linebacker, inside linebacker, off the edge at Washington. He excels in space, and he's just one of those guys. He's kind of like the queen on the chessboard. You can put him anywhere. And I actually like him at safety a lot. And um, he kind of reminds me, well, he doesn't remind me of the player, but how Mike Zimmer transformed George Iloka from Boise State into a very good safety while he was there. 
you know, he's big, 6'4", you know, 220, Shaq 6'1", 220, but I could see something similar, him being used in that similar kind of way that Zimmer used Iloka in Cincinnati. So I kind of see that for him. I see, I see the green the greenway role for him. I mean, you could just do so many things with him. Um, of course, you don't want him, you know, plugged in the hole or anything like that, but you know, hopefully Zimmer can design uh, a role for him where he never has to do that, and I think he could be a really good player. So I'm comfortable with the pick, and yeah. Okay. Excuse me, ladies and gentlemen. Just got to clear the throat over here. Kevin, knowing that you're a Falcons fan, you, it was probably like giving you, like, you know, you were swallowing glass making a pick for the uh, New Orleans Saints. But uh, knowing that the Saints are in dire straits and all across the board, you know what they had to do during the off season, you know during the off season trading their probably their best weapon in Jimmy Graham, you know still trying to figure out a way to stay underneath the cap without getting penalized or anything like that. You know this the team the team has a lot of holes. I mean, how many different moves did you have down for the Saints? you know, going at 13. And do you think there might be a chance that they may actually try to trade down to, speak to to gain more picks? Because, let's face it, they need to plug a lot of places. Yeah, well, certainly they have they're, I mean, they one of the worst defenses in, in the NFL. Um, and I think trading down can definitely be an option there when you look at some of the players that were available in that spot where they picked a Todd Gurley, Marcus Mariota, Shane Ray, those are guys that, um, depending on how the team felt about them, they might be willing to trade up. So that would definitely be an option. Uh, we also, you know, I also kind of looked at, you know, grabbing a Shane Ray there or possibly a Randy Gregory, but I know that the Saints are probably not in the business right now of bringing on guys with character issues. Uh, so that's why I shied away from Randy Gregory with that pick, even though, from a pure uh, play standpoint, when you look at Randy Gregory's 17.5 sacks in the last two years, uh, he can flat out and get it done on the field. Uh, but, you know, New Orleans, definitely, they just they need to be fans. And uh, trading down there would be a, a something we would definitely look at. Now, Terry, you know, view picking for the, uh, for the NFC East, uh, what do you call it? Philadelphia at number 20, you know, obviously Chip Kelly may be thinking about moving up, you know, although it might be a smokescreen, he might stand, stand pat. You made the pick with Perriman. I got to add, what do you call it, but I got to ask you, if they do happen to move up, if they do happen to move up, how far do you think they move up? Do you think they actually take the plunge and go as far as number two? Or do you think they just move up maybe the Jets at six? Or do they stand pat and take a so and take someone like Perriman? I think they stand pat and take someone like Perryman. Um, and the, re- the reason I say that is, I mean, you, you look at what they need. There, there's a risk, you know, their, their biggest needs, as I see it, are they need a wide receiver and they need a pass rusher. Um, pass rusher, you don't necessarily need to move up. I would take somebody like Nate Orchard of uh, Utah, uh, somebody who I know has played for coaches, you know, Kyle Whittingham, Coach Paul Kruger. He coached uh, uh, Shelby at uh, Miami. I mean, there's some great pass rushers that he'll develop. I think he's a known quantity, I think he'll, but I think he'll be available later in the draft. So at that rate, really the only thing you need is a lockdown corner, which I don't really think exists in this draft, or a wide receiver. Um, you know, maybe you trade up a couple of spots, 
Uh, you know, like if in our draft you see Amari Cooper and Kevin White go early, maybe you move up a few spots. But, again, I, I and I'll be honest, I was scribbling through my notes as soon as uh, Doriel Green back and won at 18. I was like, oh, no, oh, no, <laughs> what do I do? And I would imagine uh, something similar would happen. I, I think that's the player for for Philadelphia. Um, and again, I'm 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 in the minority on this one. I don't actually think there is a quarterback problem in Philadelphia. Um, I'm I'm, not, I'm I'm certainly not saying Tim Tebow is the answer, but I, I think I think they'll I think they'll be fine. So I, I I like I like staying at 20 and getting a Brashard Perryman or a Doriel Green Beckham. Now. <sighs> Justin, closing out, you know, closing out 11 through 20, you were picking for the uh, San Francisco 49ers here. Got to ask you, you know, this is a team similar to others where they've had some up people. They had, some, you know, they had some major injuries throughout the year. You know, they were, what do you call it? It seemed like they they were in a win-now mode, but now it seems like they're, te- you know, they're tampering down. Do you see San Francisco being one of those teams that tries to trade down to get some more draft picks, or do you see them maybe trying to trade up to get someone that they think that can be an impact player right off the bat? Um, you know, I kind of think they're just going to stand pat, but I, I I don't see them trading back because I, I'm not, not really sure how much time that uh, Jim Tom Sula is going to have to be a head coach. I think he's going to have to, to uh, achieve, like, some – relevant early, so I don't think they can mess around too much and, and like, move back and, and get fancy. So, um, I think at 15, like, especially the way this board is falling, like, they had a lot of options there, D-line, O-line, cornerback. So, I like where they're sitting. This is a draft where there's a lot of beauty in the eye of the beholder type of stuff going on. So, I think – that you can sit there at 15, 16, 17, those picks, even 20 with Philly, and get a guy that you really like. So I don't see them – they don't strike me as a wheeler dealer this year. Um, I think they're going to just try and, and make the best – I mean, it wasn't too long ago they were in the Super Bowl. So this isn't a this isn't a terrible team here. This is a team that, that just needs to kind of get on the same page and I think they'll be okay. Um, I was real happy to get Peters at 15. There's a couple other options there. Um, I think they there were a lot of things they could have done there and not gone wrong, so I don't see the need for them to get fancy with it. All right. So, ladies and gentlemen, that was our breakdown from 11 to 20. We are now going to the final third, the final leg of the, of the uh, mock draft here on the Mad Scientist Sports Lab. Starting with pick number 21, the Cincinnati Bengals, and picking for the Cincinnati Bengals for the NFC for the AFC North is Brian Luis. Brian, at number 21, the Bengals select. Uh, this is a tough one. The Bengals was the toughest pick in my mock draft when I did it a couple weeks ago. I had Randy Gregory, but the more I read about Randy Gregory, the more it seems like he's just gonna. He just seems like another Nebraska guy that just uh, has a bunch of issues off the field, like the Dennard, the Lawrence Phillips. Those guys, I want to stay away from him entirely and say that the Bengals have to go best player on the board. But you do have Andrew Whitworth, who's 34 years old. So here at the offensive line, I'm going to go get the top left tackle. My my number one true left tackle on my board and a lot of other experts is DJ Humphreys. That's going to be my pick here at 21. Get your next franchise tackle. Interesting pick, Pat, number 21. Shane, what do you think? 
I think the position is is a very real possibility for the Bengals. They, they could go Gregory, go on defensive line. But I think offensive line, uh, mentioning that the age of Whitworth is good. Uh, the question is going to be which player. Uh, do you take D.J. Humphreys? Do you take Andres Pete? Do you take Eric Flowers here? Uh, I, th- I think all those guys are good. I probably would have leaned towards uh, Andres Pete, who I think has a little bit more of that physical ability, a little safer, um, Humphreys with his injury issues, or Flowers may not be that left tackle that you want, though. So I like the pick. I think Humphreys does go um, just outside the top 20, and I think we could see an offensive tackle run happen, maybe starting with the Bengals. At number 22, we got the Pittsburgh Steelers. And, Brian, you're back on the clock as the general manager of the Steelers. At number 22, who do you select? Now, I do love Shamarco Thomas. I do. I, th- I thought he was a steal of the draft a couple of years ago from out of Syracuse, although it's very hard for me to root for Syracuse in any time. But Shamarco is a great player. I just think with this player at 22 falling here, are you kidding me? Landon Collins? to slide right there with Thomas and Mitchell in that secondary. I mean, you lose Worlds, Palomalu, Ike Taylor, and Brett Kiesel. I think, you know, you just go best player on the board and let everything else fall through. So I'm going to go with a Lamb and Collins here. I think he's the best player left. Top 10 pick in my mind. Lamb and Collins, what do you call If he were to slide all the way down, I would not be surprised if the Pittsburgh Steelers would have, would have stashed him if he were available at number 22. Shane, what do you say? They've looked at him, and, and you've got to replace Troy Polamalu somehow. I just think they're they're comfortable with Shamarco Thomas, and if you take Collins, now you have th- basically three strong safeties on the roster. With Mike Mitchell, was better in the box than where they played him one deep. Shamarco Thomas definitely plays uh, better closer to the line, and Landon Collins does too. So how, how do you how do you do that? Where there are other holes of cornerback, Kevin Johnson still sitting there, uh, or pass rusher. Maybe they take a chance on Randy Gregory. I'm not sure, but um, I probably would have leaned towards a corner with Kevin Johnson. But Landon Collins, solid value here at 22. I don't know if he's a top 10 player, but uh, this is definitely about where he should go. At number 23, we go back to the NFC North with the Detroit Lions. Then Brandon Thorne, football educator, at 23 as general manager of the Lions. Who do you select? All right, well, this pick's pretty easy. He's a top overall player on my board. Uh, we play in a pass-heavy division. Um, our defensive coordinator, Terrell Austin, is a former defensive backs coach at this guy's alma mater. I'm going to go with Kevin Johnson, Wake Forest. Hell yeah. Um, he, you know, top top guy on the board for us. He's long, he's wiry. Uh he, he reminds me a lot of Joe Hayden um, coming out. He ran a 4-5, you know, a little slower than people thought, just like Joe Hayden, but everything else is insane. Broad jump, 10-10, 41-and-a-half-inch bird, 3-8, 9-20-yard show, just insane numbers. He was productive. Um, he could play zone or man. Um, ball skills, he just has everything, and uh, we need a corner. Um, we, you know, we have Chris Slay, but aside from him is Rasheen Mathis, who – they should have retired a couple of years ago. So we're going to upgrade the team, get value, and, uh, yeah, just feel like feel really good about this one. Shane, what do you think of the, of the pick? 
I love it. I think Kevin Johnson is a top 20 player. I think he would be a great fit with the Detroit Lions. Uh, I mean, Johnson has good technique, a uh, real nice back pedal, and he was the best talent by far on Wake Forest's team and did well against some tough receivers in some tough games. I think he's an excellent player. I don't know if Detroit will actually pull the trigger on a corner. They seem to just not do that. Uh, I would guess they'd go D-tackle, but if they took Kevin Johnson draft day, I, I would applaud it. I think he, him and Darius Slay would make a nice one-two combo but for a secondary that seems like it's been weak forever. At number 24, we go back to the NFC West with the Arizona Cardinals, who went 11-5 last year. This is where I would throw the monkey wrench into the draft. But first, I'll let the experts go. So, Justin Higdon, as general manager of the Arizona Cardinals, who do you select at number 24? Uh, This one's pretty easy for me. I'm going to take Randy Gregory for the Cardinals right here because – uh, a few reasons. I think that, first of all, I think he's a top-five talent in this draft if you throw out the off-the-field stuff. Uh, secondly, you've got a, a strong locker room there. I think, you know, Bruce Arians comes from the, you know, he's been with the Steelers, with the Colts. He knows how to, to get people on his page. You know, I know Washington was suspended last year, so there's some exceptions to that. But, um, you know, what I would what I would take is uh, – yeah, you know, I take Gregory, and then you, you get Tyron Matthew to teach him the uh, marijuana testing schedule, and then uh, you get him to move around in that defense. <laughs> I know Todd Bowles, you know Todd Bowles is out of there, but you you want to try and duplicate what he could do with uh, as far as the defensive coordinator. Gregory's a guy I think can move around. He can play some linebacker. He can drop and cover, and he can rush the passer. He's real fluid, uh, very good athlete, and. Uh, I, I just really think the value here is too good to pass up. I know he's got some off-the-field issues. I know people are concerned about his weight, but if you're going to drop him into coverage occasionally, uh, let him do some linebacker things. He doesn't have to just exclusively rush the passer. This is a pick that I would run to the podium and, and do it. And, uh, you know, they've had some success with taking a chance like this recently. So I like this. Um, I was happy. I've been eyeballing him since I picked for the Niners. Now, this is where, Shane, before I let you break down the pick, you can then have to, like, beat me to a bloody pulp when I say this. This is where I think the monkey wrench gets thrown into the draft. This is where I think when you have Bruce Arians as your head coach, you know the type of wonders that he does as, you know, as a quarterback guru. We saw what he did with Andrew Luck. We saw how he has somehow has reined in Carson Palmer. But we look at what happened with Carson Palmer's knee injury, and we know that it's almost about time for Carson to go to go out to pasture. With the 24th pick, if the mad scientists were on the clock, the mad scientists would select Brent Hunley, quarterback, UCLA, throws the monkey wrench into the draft and, say, and puts my faith in Bruce Arians saying, you know what, you've done wonders. Here's another guy for, for you. He's played in a pro offense. Go ahead and work your magic. That's my selection. So, Shane, first you can break down Justin's pick, and then you can come after me with with all guns blazing. Well, let's start with Randy Gregory, who I really like as a player, too. Uh, I think that argument of, just like Green Beckham, of talent is this is an obvious place for him. I think it's a good spot. I could see him falling out of the first round altogether, but it's such a big need for Arizona. And if you have these guys gone 
the Shane Rays, etc. Uh, do you take Gregory? Do you reach for an Eli Harold? That becomes the decision if you want a pass rusher. And I think Gregory can fit what they're doing there. So I really like that pick. Uh, Mad scientist, in terms of your monkey wrench, you can throw that in, and I'll throw it right back and hit you in the face with it. All right, so like, so don't take Brett Hundley in the first round of this draft. Uh, <laughs> well, they have Logan Thomas. You've already given a year of development to. Not that I love Logan Thomas, but well, you know why take a, a Brett Hundley and start that development process all over again? And this team has a ton of needs on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, if, if if you trust in Bruce Arians in terms of developing quarterbacks then he doesn't have to reach for a guy, right? Let him take someone later. Let him keep trying with these different later-round guys instead of reaching. You might be able to get for Hundley in round two as well. So uh, keep your monkey wrench and, and save that one for later. Thank you, sir. I had a funny feeling you were going to say that about that. But, you know, I always had I, – I tried to – with this pick, I, this is the one pick that I kept looking at in my mock, and I kept saying, if there's one place to throw something out of the box, and I mean out of the box, it would be right here, just for the sheer, you know, just for that sheer fact. So, what do you call it? But thank you for putting me in my place. I really do appreciate that. I, I had a funny feeling, but I had to get that out there. So I will go back into my laboratory and try to work on another experiment and try to make you see it my way. I'm joking. At number 25, we have the Carolina Panthers. Somehow, some way, they won the division. They have a low draft pick. Honestly, I think this team needed a higher draft pick, and I think this is a team that I think is primed to trade up in the draft. But I trust, you know, Kevin Causey to make a right pick over here. So at number 25, Kevin Causey, at, as the general manager of the Carolina Panthers, who do you select? Well, we were definitely sweating a little bit when we saw DJ Humphreys go at number 21. We thought there might be a run on offensive tackles, which that's the biggest need right now that the Carolina Panthers have. Cam Newton's been hit more than any other quarterback in the last four years. Some of that's his fault. Some of it's the fault, obviously, of the offensive line. Uh, Carolina falls into a fantastic position because they've got basically what I consider the second and third best tackles in the draft still on the board, Anders Pete and Eric Flowers. Either one of those guys would be a fantastic pick. Uh, we're going to go Anders Pete just simply because I've seen, you know, we've seen him rated higher um, on uh, as a so we've just seen him rated higher, and so that's our pick here. Shane, your thoughts on the pick? I love it. I, I think Pete is, is kind of a weird football player, has some high bust ability, but such a beautiful kick slide with that great anchor and athletic ability. If you, if you can get him to be consistent, get him to play that way every play, I think he can be a stud franchise left tackle for you. Carolina needs it. Um, I, I wonder how much the team will place uh, how much value they're going to place on offensive line. Maybe they go receiver again this year, but with, with Pete and Flowers sitting on the board, that's great. Awesome. Now we're going to move on to the 26th pick with the Baltimore Ravens going back to the AFC North. So, Brian Luis, you are on the clock as the Ravens GM. Who do you take? There are two positions in particular. Actually, yeah, I would say two positions in particular I'm really worried about, and that's corner and that's wide receiver. And unfortunately, all the good wide receivers, I mean, Jalen Strong, I don't feel like, I feel like with the injuries is a little scary, plus I really like the depth in this draft of wide receiver, So I'm gonna, and I can't get the size that I want with the kind of player that I want. So I don't feel comfortable with Jalen Strong at number 26. 
especially in that system with Baltimore, uh, especially with the injuries. I like Brandon Williams at nose tackle, so I'm fine there. I think corner, and honestly, I think kind of hard to believe, but I'm really big. And living in New England, guys, Byron Jones is the real deal. I'm telling you. Byron Jones is the real deal. I'm taking him here at 26. Uh, a guy who can play a free safety, a guy who can play corner. Reminds me of Devin McCourty when he came out of Rutgers. And I love Devin McCourty when he came out, too. And I'm not going to make the same mistake saying that Patrick Robinson is better than McCourty. I'm not making that same mistake again. So put him across to Jimmy Smith, and let's have a nice day. Shane, your thoughts on the pick? I really like it. I think Byron Jones could be gone by this point. If you're Baltimore, you're sitting there, Kevin Johnson's gone. I, I think Jones is is the next best that you can get. He's not just a workout warrior with with that big broad jump world class athlete, but he's he's really good, and, and he can get physical and use that speed to his advantage. I think Baltimore's a good place where you don't need him necessarily day one to step in, starter. You can develop and, and, and harness those raw talents. So I think it would be a great fit and another example of Ozzie Newsome kind of scooping up talent in the draft. With the 27th pick, we go back to the NFC East and the Dallas Cowboys. How about them Cowboys? Well, I know he's been waiting to make this pick for quite some time. He's been salivating at it. Terry Johnson, as general manager of the Dallas Cowboys, who do you select at number 27? Well, I thought I had it figured out until the last pick. Um, basically, the way I see it, Dallas need they they need help at running back. Obviously, with the departure of Murray, they they need help at corner and they need a pass rusher. So basically, the issue comes down to is who do you think you know the the best if you take the best player on the board that that'd be Tevin Coleman I think, but he may be available later. So I'm going to go with a pick that with a guy that I know something about that a lot of people don't. I'm going to take uh, Eric Rowe out of Utah because I have him as the best corner on the board that's available right now. Uh, having followed his career, you know, he played with uh, Tyrone Willingham, or I'm sorry, he played with uh, Kyle Whittingham. And, uh, you know, again, he's kind of moved all of the things. You know, he, he started at safety a few years. He started at corner a few years. The reason they put him at corner is that, they, you know, they basically tried him out, and he just quickly emerged as a, um, you know, not a shutdown corner, but a very, very reliable one. So I think this move would make the most sense. Uh, particularly if I'm Jerry Jones, I'm looking for people, or any GM for that matter, I'm looking for people that can play multiple positions and row fits that need. Repeat the name one more time, I'm sorry. Eric Rowe of Utah. Shane, what's your, uh, what's your, what's your take on it? I think Rowe is right on that border of the first round. So if, if you're Dallas picking a 27, you want a corner. Jalen Collins from LSU has the failed drug test. I think Eric Rowe is a good choice. He, he might need some development as a cornerback, and, and he looks the part of that press corner. I have him as a safety because I feel more comfortable there. But I, I think teams will try him a corner when you have the size and speed that he has. So I like the pick. Um, maybe it's a little bit early, but if you're Dallas, you're not going to get him in round two, so you might as well take him here. And I think it is a smart decision to not take the running back here, take the corner, and get your running back later. With the 28th pick, we go to the Denver Broncos. And with the Denver Broncos, that means Antoine Staley is on the clock. Antoine, who do you take at the Broncos GM? Um, I, like Eric, I like Eric Flowers, uh, offensive tackle for Miami. Eric Flowers, offensive tackle from Miami. Can you elaborate? Um, well, well, they definitely need um, O-line help. So, 
I definitely think it's a need for them, and you know, I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if if Flowers fell this far. They would that would be the pick. If they have their options. Like they also Cummings is still on the board, so they could go in that direction as well. Shane, your thoughts on the pick? I think it's an absolute steal. Uh, I think Eric Flowers could potentially go in the top ten. Uh, it wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me. Um, he is such a physical run blocker. If you're Denver, it's an area where you saw C.J. Anderson excel late in the year, but you need some help with that. And Flowers does have some pass protection potential. There's some games he's really good. Some games he was really bad. Uh, I think he would fit Denver. And this Denver's in a good situation. If they want that offensive tackle, they can sit here and scoop up the value. Maybe it's DJ Humphreys that falls instead. Maybe it's Cedric Agbui from Texas A&M. You go with the talent. I think Denver 28 offensive tackle, uh, a good clear indicator. And Eric Flowers should have been long gone by now. At number 29, we go to the Indianapolis Colts, which means we go back to the AFC East, which means, Jeff Lloyd, you're on the clock as the general manager of the Indianapolis Colts. Who do you take? Um, With this pick, what I'm looking at is with the Colts, what do they need to get by New England or whatever team in the AFC? Um, Looking at the game last year, deflated balls or not, LeGarrette Blount would have taken a deflated beach ball across the end zone three times. They, They need something to stop the run. And with this pick, I'm going to take the uh, the top inside linebacker that I have, and I'm going to take Eric Kendrick. Shane, what are your, your thoughts on that? I like it. Eric Kendrick's another player that I think is on that fringe. I think he's a little bit higher rated in kind of the draft community than, than in the NFL. But if you're in Indianapolis, you need someone that has the athleticism to play downhill. That's what Eric Kendrick's can do. Now, I'm not sure if he necessarily would crack the lineup here one for them. They've, they've been slow going on a lot of these defensive rookies. But if it's, you've got to stop the run. Um, I, I probably would have looked in another direction, maybe looked at – and if you, you want to stop the run, get a Malcolm Brown on that defensive line and find a way to sure it up up front. But I think Kendricks is a good pick. I think my only fear is just value. Could you have gotten an inside linebacker in the second round, whatever guys left, uh, Denzel Perriman, Stephon Anthony, and gone a different direction with this pick in the first? With the 30th pick in the draft, we go to Green Bay with the Packers. And Brandon Bourne, you're on the clock. All right, well, this. This is kind of tough because there's two guys on the board that we really like to value on here. Um, it comes down to, in 2016, we have B.J. Raji, Mike Daniels, and Michael Neal all hitting free agency. We need help on our 3-4 defensive front. So I'm going to go with Malcolm Brown from Texas. Shane, your thoughts on the pick? Phenomenal. I think it's phenomenal value there. And Malcolm Brown is such a terror. He's my top-ranked defensive tackle. Um, he had, he could play the five-tech for, for Green Bay. You can kick him inside to nose tackle because he has that size and kind of the, the girth and leverage to be a little bit of a, a two-gap spark plug in the middle. But he also adds some athleticism on, on the outside uh, to set the edge at the five-tech position. So Green Bay is good at using these type of linemen in different ways with all those guys becoming free agents. Uh, you draft Malcolm Brown. If he's too talented to keep off the field, you can find a place for him uh, maybe at the left defensive end position and then you can move him inside if you need to. I, I think that this would be an absolute steal and I think he goes at least 10 picks higher uh, when draft day is all said and done. With the 31st pick, traded from Seattle, we go back to 
of the NFC South and the New Orleans Saints. Kevin Clausey, as general manager of the Saints, who you take with your second pick of the first round? Well, my pick definitely was made a little bit easier when the last two players, Eric Kendricks and Malcolm Brown, came off the board. There are some different position needs here for the Saints. Uh, Max Williams is still on the board, which is intriguing. Eddie Goldman is another guy that's intriguing. But for this pick, I'm going to have to get out my pronunciation guide. And we're going to go with Owambe Odigizuwa. If you guys think I'm going to type this on Twitter. I was going to say, if you guys think I'm going to type this on Twitter right now, you're sorely mistaken. There's no way I can. I'm going to just go, oh, oh. So this way they know that you guys know who it is. But what do you call it? I, I actually like the pick, but Shane, how do you feel about it? I personally really like it. I mean, I mean, I think Ulamog Bayadigizua is this long Lamar Woodley type of pass rusher where he's very good against the run. You know he's going to set that edge, uh, and that's absolutely what the Saints need. Plus, he has the raw skill set to be a pass rusher, so uh, he, he looks like he can use that strength to his advantage if you can coach him up, which uh, you have to think Rob Ryan will be able to do on that defensive front. Uh, so I really like to pick. Do I think he's going to go in the first round? Probably not. Uh, I don't think a team's going to feel he's dynamic enough as a pass rusher yet to go in the first round. Maybe he's a possibility for the Saints in the second, but uh, I, I really like him. I'd grade him out as a first-round pick, so, so I'll, I'll give you an A for that one. And with the final pick of the first round, the New England Patriots are on the clock. Jeff Lloyd, close it out. Who do you take at number 32? Um, one of – we were talking, obviously, wide receivers earlier. Um, I think there's the top tier, which is Parker. I think it's Cooper. Obviously, I think it is uh, as well, you know, uh, Kevin White. I think the top of Tier 2, and it might be the only guy who is Tier 2, is Nelson Aguilar, and he's the guy I'm going to select here. And the Jets fan in me, it hurts. Uh, what he could do in New England, easy. Beast from the slot. I call him the Tasmanian Devil because he just goes 5 million miles an hour. You don't know what he's doing, and he's always open. Him with Tom Brady, uh, obviously Edelman. You know, you still have uh, Amendola out there, Gronk. They like the short, you know, the quicker stuff. You know, they always have one or two guys with the, the deep stuff, too, but they're not the significant parts of that offense. Nelson Aguilar to New England at 32, and, oh, man, that's a great fit. Shane, what do you think? I like it. I think he's a great fit for New England, and I think he will go in the first round. Before the season, he was kind of 1A, 1B with Amari Cooper and just, just didn't have the dynamic season people were hoping. But he had the, those games during the year where he did go crazy and, and get open. He has that underneath speed. He's a good New England type of wide out where, where he can play in the slot probably the best slot receiver in this draft, and you can find a way to get him open. So uh, I, I'm surprised they didn't, you didn't go with a Cameron Irving or someone to beef up the line, but wide receiver is a need, and, and more weapons, not a bad thing for the Patriots. And ladies and gentlemen, that was the first round mock draft just completed right here on the Mad Scientist Sports Lab to recash 21 through 32 here we go, ladies and gentlemen. At number 21, taken by the Bengals, D.J. Humphreys. At number 22 with the Steelers, Landon Collins. At number 23 with the Lions, Kevin Johnson. At number 24, 
with the Cardinals, Randy Gregory. At number 25 with the Panthers, uh, I'm sorry, guys, Pete, uh, what do you call, sorry about that. At number 26, Byron Jones. At number 27, Eric Rose. At number 28, Eric Flowers. At number 29, Eric Kendrick. At 30, Malcolm Brown. At 31, Kevin, can you pronounce it for me, please? Hawaii Odigizua. Thank you so much. At number 32, Nelson Aguiar. We're going to break down the bottom third of the first round. And, of course, the first person I'm going to get, uh, I'm going to go to is our Mike Mayock, Shane Hallam. Shane, first off, before uh, before we go, thank you so much for coming on. I know you've been an extremely busy man knowing that Draft TV is going to be going absolutely bonkers this coming week. So for you to come on the show and act as our Mike Mayock, I really, from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much. Do you think at numbers 21 through 32, there's going to be a lot of teams making that reach like I kind of sort of did at number 24? Or do you think people are going to be like, you know what, here's where you know drafts are usually won or lost because now you have to take your best available player. Or if you think you can get someone, trade out of the first round, get some extra picks, and see where you can go from there. I think we see teams make reaches. It happens every draft. We had Marcus Smith last year. I think we had more defensive backs go last year than a lot of people thought. It's going to happen again. You're going to see a surprise offensive lineman go in the first round. You, you Maybe you'll see a, a surprise receiver have a run on that. Um, I, I think there's only a couple players that didn't go that I really feel like are going to go in the first round. Cameron Irving, the center out of Florida State, and uh, probably Jalen Strong, or the wide receiver from Arizona State. I think those two guys will go in the first. But other than that, I, I don't think there's anyone else that we clearly missed. Maybe one of the interior linemen, Jordan Phillips out of Oklahoma, or Eric Armstead of Oregon could, but I don't think it's guaranteed by any means. So, um, in general, this this is this draft was good. You had a couple surprises, Eric Rowe, Odigizua going in the first, and you had a couple guys falling out. That happens in every NFL draft. That's just how it works. Um, I don't think we're going to see a ton of teams move out of the first round and drop down. It seems like that's that's been a little bit more out of style. Um, there's usually one but I don't think we'll see a ton of teams trying to move down, mostly because I don't think there's a lot of teams that want to move up. If you compare the the number 20 in the first round to to the bottom half of the second round, it's not all that different. I think the value is going to be pretty good in that second round. So you don't necessarily uh, need to move up for a guy unless someone's falling down pretty fast. So I think it's going to be a fun draft, and I, I think our draft probably accurately reflected some of the craziness, some of the some of the positions, and, and some of the off-the-wall picks that happened. Shane, thank you so much for joining us this evening. This was absolutely amazing to have you on air with us. Why don't you let the good people know where they can find you, and again, why don't you go ahead and plug some draft TV for them? Yeah, thank you. It's, it's been a pleasure. You can check me out on Twitter at Shane P. Hallam. My, my website is drafttv.com. And uh, the big thing that I'm doing for the draft is my sixth annual live draft stream. So while uh, you can mute the TV, come to drafttv.com. You can listen to me if you like what you heard here. Uh, break down every pick of the draft every day, every minute. Uh, I'll, I'll be a video. We have a chat room. And while. Well, they're talking about the first-round pick still on, on Saturday. I'll be talking about guys as they're drafted and see how they fit your team. So a uh, pleasure for having me. All you guys are, are gentlemen and scholars, and, and I appreciate it.
Thank you so much, Shane. Have a good night. Now we're going to go to the AFC North. We're going to go to Brian Luis first. And, Brian, i got to say, you know, when you made yourself available to come, to, the, to, to, to come do this with me, I was extremely happy because you every every year you always come out with your with your mock and everything like that and you pretty much were spot on at you know at with the uh with the Bengals and with the Bengals and the Steelers because we know the Steelers need you know defensive backs especially losing Palomalo losing Ike Taylor we knew exactly where we were going to go we know. You did the same you know you did the same thing with the Bengals so if there was another if there was another player that was available or that may still be available, you know, that may have slid out of the first round, was there anybody that you would have probably also that you would have probably also selected? Well, let's start with Pittsburgh because Pittsburgh is a situation where I do have a lot of um inlay. So there's a curry alum that works in Pittsburgh. So with my strong media fan or my strong media alumni base they're actually really looking at Eli Harold at 22. And that's something that a lot of the beat writers have talked about. And that's a guy that I actually put in my mock draft, and a lot of Pittsburgh fans loved it. They said Eli Harold, you know, that's ECC territory. Even a Pitt fan said that Harold should be drafted ahead of Randy Gregory. So Harold's the guy that I would look at if they're looking at pass rusher. And that's the without question. I think he's a perfect fit. But Pittsburgh has a hit, had a history where they always go best on the board. So Landon Collins kind of fits that mold. And Cincinnati is the same way, transitioning to them a pick before. Where Randy Gregory is there, and I know Marvin Lewis loves Randy, like would love a player like Randy Gregory. You know, Carlos Dunlop had his issues. Michael Johnson had his issues. But Michael Johnson's back. I think defensive tackles are bigger need than D end is. And I know corners are stacked. They're like four deep at corner. Like it's absurd how many corners Mike Zimmer gave that team. But I also want to look at wide receiver. Because I know a lot of us are big on Dorio Greenback and to me, He's a top-five talent. I love Doriel Greenback. I remember watching him out of high school. The best wide receiver I've ever seen from out of high school since I followed high school and college football. Like, to me, he's like the Randy Moss of this draft. He could very well be that guy. But if I'm looking at a player for Cincinnati, and I'm looking at Adam Jones as my punt returner, ugh, just like the Patriots are Jul- uh, with Julian Edelman, so I love Jeff's pick with Nelson Aguilar. A lot of people around here feel like Aguilar is Troy Brown. I'm also going to slide Aguilar in a 21 to the Cincinnati Bengals because – his kind of ability in the slot is something they don't have right now. Marvin Jones on the outside. Sanu is another outside receiver. Aguilar is kind of that X factor. I really like that. And Troy Brown growing up in New England where I wasn't a Pats fan, but Troy Brown was always a player I admired because he could play on both sides. I think Aguilar is just versatile. So that's the guy I'd go with from Cincinnati if you wanted to, like, really be the mad scientist of the draft, which I know you cherish. Thank you so much. Brian, why don't you let the good people know where they can find you and uh, tell them about our RSCN Network. Well, I joined RSCN this time last year. Um, and, you know, follow us at RSCN Network, uh, exactly how it's spelled. We have a big following, and we have a lot of great writers, Donovan James as well, about the draft. On the other spectrum, he's doing another show tomorrow night. So, uh, you know, I'll hopefully be on the join with him next week. Uh, you can follow me at Brian Lewis 27 and I promise you, I tweet every day, so it's never there's never a dull moment. <laughs> thank you so much, Brian. I hope you have a good night, and thank you for joining me here on the uh, 2015 NFL Mock Draft. Absolutely. Always a pleasure. All right. Thank you. 
Next up for the AFC South, we're going to go to Ryan Palancer. Ryan, you know, obviously the AFC South, you know, you, you you drafted much, much earlier than everybody else, so you were almost almost on the sidelines. But, you know, going with the Colts, is there anyone else that you might take, you know, with the Colts pick outside, you know, I, you know, I, that may have slid, slid out of the first round? You know, I, I keep hearing the rumblings of Landon Collins falling. Um, you know, I, I don't understand why. Obviously, uh, a position with a lot of need and safety and, and not the deepest position this year, but if he falls to the Colts, that, that would just be a dream for them. Um, as far as otherwise on defense, I, I think linebacker is a big need. Um, I, I could see maybe a defensive lineman to, to help stop the run, but, but I think linebacker is more of a need. Um, I could see him taking an offensive lineman, um, a guy with versatility like Cam Irving um, that was discussed earlier. Uh, But you never know with Ryan Grigson. He he seems to kind of be all over the place and uh, kind of a best player available kind of guy. So so there's definitely definitely plenty of options there to redeem the first. Well, Brian, I want to thank you so much for joining us this evening. You know, you are a member of the student section, but you also happen to have your own – have an NFL draft site, and you happen to write for Fantasy Sports Warehouse. But tell the people where they can find you on social media, and once again, just plug the student section. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I do write for the student section uh, during the college basketball football years. Um, as you alluded to, I, I did start my own uh, draft website, the com. Um, I'm available on Twitter with, at, at Ryan Palancer, uh, which you, you've linked uh, for me here. And also uh, my website with uh, at the next wave FB. Thank you so much, Ryan. Have a good night, and, and thanks for joining me here on the show. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Next up with the AFC East, we had Jeff Lloyd from Draft Breakdown. Man, as always, you bring the heat. That we, uh, something that we come to expect. Nelson Aguiar at 32. If he were to go that low, I think you know Patriot fans would be do would would be doing the happy jig. So, but if he weren't, if he were to go a little bit earlier, is there anybody else that you had targeted at number 32 for the uh, for the Patriots? Or do you think Bill Belichick actually says, you know what? Let me get some extra picks. I have someone come in to come into the first round. I'll get a couple of like second and third round picks, and, and you know, and take my chances there. Um, normally, you know, that is definitely Bill Belichick's MO is, you know, you know, just grab, you know, as many as he can and, you know, home make football players out of them. This draft probably is not going to go that way just because it, it, it's very more top-heavy. So if Aguilar to fall, that would have been a great pick, obviously, for them. Um, if that didn't come, you know, to fruition, uh, Ronald Darby, cornerback out of Florida State, very athletic, very aggressive, uh, his tape doesn't – he never got the – you know, didn't get a lot of opportunities. Seems like most of the time they were thrown at P.J. Williams. Or another personal draft favorite of mine at cornerback, uh, Kevin Johnson is one, but he went 23 to Detroit. Steven Nelson out of Oregon State. Um, feisty, aggressive, plays with a little bit of an attitude. He doesn't care if the wide receiver is 5'10", or he doesn't care if the wide receiver is 6'3". He's going to get in his face. Week in, week out out of Oregon State, not the greatest year they had this year. But he played top-level competition every week. There are five, six wide receivers he played against us here who are going to get drafted in this draft. That's a guy, when you look at the tape, you see who he's playing against, you see who he's excelling against, and he's a guy I really like. So 
So that's probably a guy, you know, either one of those corners, if Aguilar wasn't there. But, I mean, it is Belichick. You know, the trade down is always a possibility. <laughs> I mean, it's just the way he rolls, you know, and you can't really question it because he's successful at it. But, you know, those are two guys at 32 I would have looked at if Aguilar wasn't available. Jeff, why don't you let the good people know where they can find you on social media and tell them about the good folks over at Draft Breakdown. <clears throat> Um, well, obviously, Draft Breakdown was always one of the most accredited sources there ever was. Um, Brian Perez, a uh, good friend of most of the guys on the show here tonight, uh, bought in. They started to bring some more writing to it. Obviously, Justin Hagen, prime example. Uh, Luke Easterling and uh, Kyle Krabs, Joe Marino. These guys have been pumping out great stuff. The film, we're trying to do the best we can here to get more all-22 footage which gives you everything you need to see. You know, obviously we have to fight those battles daily, you know, with, uh, you know, conferences in college and stuff of that nature. But pumping out great stuff. Uh, this year has been fantastic. 16 should be off the charts with the amount of talent that's brought in. And obviously, you know, you know, podcasting and things of that nature as well. And shows. I mean, it's very, 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 very great, uh, very big, great future over at Draft Breakdown. Uh, Monday night, we'll do our final pre-show before the draft uh, that I do at the RC, uh, RC uh, draft bar. And then Thursday night, we'll go live, just like everybody else is. We're going to do the entire first night of the draft. I'm not Shane Hallam. I'm not that crazy. I can't do uh, three days straight, plus the fact that I have uh, my daughter's christening on Saturday. But uh, that's where we're at. I mean, it's the best time of the year. Here we are. I mean, it's, it's you know, like Christmas morning for draft junkies, you know. I know, and it's really cool. And I got to say, thank you so much for joining me this evening. As always, you're, you you come on the show whenever, you know, at the, drop of, at the drop of a hat. And really appreciate you taking part in the 2015 mock draft here on the Mad Sciences Sports Lab. So have a good night, my friend. You as well, Nick. Next up, we got my man, Antoine Staley, Pro Players Insider, and many, many, many other websites. Antoine, I got to say, this was... You know, this was a great show. No technical difficulties this week, which is actually awesome. So, uh, what do you call? So, if you were, you know, sitting back with the Broncos and stuff like that, is there anybody else that you may have taken with the Broncos pick that probably slid down the board or you saw that was like, wow, they're actually sliding to the second round. I may have to rethink this. Swan, are you there? And as soon as I say that, sure enough, he's off the <laughs> Why am I not surprised? Anyway, Twan Staley joined us this evening. He drafted for the uh he drafted for the uh for the AFC West. You can find him on Twitter at Antoine Staley. He writes for Pro, Pro Players Insiders. He has his own blog called blackredsoxfan.com. He writes for many, many other websites. Great guy, always a good, helpful guest on here. Nothing but the best, and I wish him the best of luck. As always, he's going to be back on the show in the not-too-distant future, so don't be surprised if he comes Next up, we got from our friend from the NFC North, Brandon Thorne. Brandon with the football educator, learning at the feet of the great, great, great Ted Sundquist, Ted Sundquist, who has been a guest on a couple of my shows in the past. 
Sitting there, you know, sitting there at, with the Packers, is there anybody that you would have like would, would have given second thought to with regards to who you may have taken that probably has slid out of the first round? Well, yeah, um, like I mentioned, it was either Malcolm Brown or Eric Armstead for me. Um, you know, a guy like Armstead, I'm not a huge fan of, but you know, there is, I think, some legitimacy to him going in the first round as far as just his. His athleticism, size, combo is rare. You know, he's basically the size of Mario Williams, you know, not the caliber of athlete. But, you know, I kind of see him being uh, – could develop into somebody like kind of like a Calais Campbell or somebody like that. Um, you know, good fit for the 3-4. But Malcolm Brown is just a more polished player, and, you know, that's who I decided to go with. And then there's another guy. You know, they really need help at inside linebacker, somebody like Denzel Perryman, you know, uh, who could really help them versus the run. Um, Somebody like that, you know, I was kind of thinking of as well, but it was pretty easy, you know, to go with Malcolm. Now, the other thing I wanted to say is, is that, you know, when I first, you know, met you right here on Twitter and stuff like that, I found you to be very, very scholarly, very, very astute and stuff like that. But, man, I have to tell you, you did really well tonight. Very, very happy to have you on my show. Why don't you let the people know about the Football Educator and where everybody can find you on, on social media? Sure, yeah. I started writing with Ted uh, at Football Educator about eight months ago, eight, nine months ago. I had just separated from the Air Force, and uh, Ted is a Air Force veteran, um, so we kind of had that in common. And he's really just taken me under his wing and has really, really helped me out in a lot of ways. And, uh, you know, I'm kind of heading up their, their draft content on, on his website, so I'm, I'm really just honored and blessed to be doing that. And, uh, yeah, you can find me on thefootballeducator.com, and then also uh, for cbssports.com I do some – player profiles for them, and then I'm covering day three of the NFL draft for CBS, so really excited about that, and uh, yeah, man, just I uh, really appreciate you having me on. Hey, no problem, anytime, and hope to have you on in the not-too-distant future. Have a good night, sir. All right, you too. Next up from the NFC South, Kevin Causey, who broke everything right off the bat with Jameis Winston. Sir, I have to tell you, your reputation definitely precedes you. Matt Zemick, you know, warned me about you, and, well, you did not disappoint at all. You know, being that you drafted, you know, you, that you were had, you had um, the Saints, you know, down at 31, do you think that they may package their draft picks to see if they can move up in the draft, or do you think they might actually, they, they would actually, like, move, uh, you know, they may actually trade out of the, fir- trade out of the first round with 31, what do you think to get more picks? Because we do know that there are a lot of holes there. And if there was anybody that you saw sliding out of the first round, is there anybody else you think they could have taken at 31? Yeah, I mean, I definitely think the Saints, if they had the choice of moving up or moving down, they would move down just because they have so many holes, so many needs on defense that they need as many players as they can get. Um as far as some other players, they were definitely at that 31 slot. There were a lot of different players that fit their needs. Actually, one player on offense that I think they would take a look at would be Max Williams, tight end out of Minnesota. From a defensive perspective, uh, Eric Armstead from Oregon, Eli Harold, which was already mentioned, from Virginia, and then Eddie Goldman, who uh, can kind of plug up the middle for them, defensive tackle from Florida State. 
Uh, those would definitely be some guys that, that I feel New Orleans would look at. Uh, I did go with, um, let's get the pronunciation guide out here again, Awamba Odigizua, because I guess he's going to be the best guy there that's going to get after the quarterback, and that's really what they needed. Well, Kevin, why don't you let the good people know where they can find you on uh, on on social media? I actually got a couple of your uh, couple of your handles kind of sort of mixed up tonight, but uh, let them know where they can find you. Sure, it's just four letters uh, at CFBZ, which just stands for College Football Zealots, which is a, a website that I I run. I'm not doing as much work there now as I have a lot of uh, commitments um, with some other websites. Obviously, the student section as well as This Given Sunday, which is an NFL site, uh, and as well as Crossover Chronicles and Helping Out There, which is an NBA site during the playoffs. Thank you very much, Kev. Greatly appreciate it and have, uh, hope to talk to you in the not-too-distant future. Right, thanks for having me. Hey, no problem. Next up, another one of my good friends that has been on this show many times who agreed to do the, the NFC East, had a lot of fun with this, Terry Johnson. Terry you know, picking for the Dallas Cowboys at the very end of the draft, you were probably saying to yourself, wow, this is not exactly what I had in mind. But your pick was actually universally praised. I really do feel the Cowboys are going to go there. But being that this is Jerry Jones, if you were Jerry Jones, is there anybody in particular that you think that he would take instead of who you who, who, you, who you took at, at that pick? Well, I was going to say, even uh, even I had concerns about it. As I started, I mean, obviously I'd seen Eric Rowe. I went with him because I'd seen the most tape, but it would also make sense maybe take Tevin Coleman because, uh, again, with uh, Murray gone, you, you're going to need another uh, running back. Uh, Tevin Coleman, you know, rushed for 2,000 yards last year. It was, you know, had as many yards per carry as Melvin Gordon. Uh, again, if I, if I you know, I've made the picks in order, but if I'm Jerry Jones, I'm I'm trading up. I want to make absolutely certain that uh, I get Melvin Gordon uh, to add that threat to my running game. What what impressed me just the most about Melvin Gordon is that, um, I mean, you knew he was going to, you know, for the past three years, actually, you knew he was going to run the ball. You knew it was coming, you knew it was coming, and people couldn't stop it. He averaged 7.5 yards a carry. So I would like to think that Jerry Jones is smart enough to say, hey, this is our guy. Um, you know, as you pointed out, you know, Gordon's Gordon's arguably the best running back in the draft. I, I would, I'm not a big proponent of taking a running back in the first round as a general rule, but uh, Gordon would certainly the exception. But again, knowing what knowing Jerry Jones be Jerry Jones, I could see him, you know, instead drafting a pass rusher. Um, I think Preston Smith and Nate Orchid would be available in the second or third round. But, you know, again, Quincy Carter would have been available in the seventh round, and Jerry took him in the second round. So, I mean, you know, only Jerry knows what Jerry's going to do. So, But to answer your question, yes, I could see him taking maybe a Nate Orchard or Preston Smith. You know, they're both excellent pass rushers. I could see him taking them maybe a couple of rounds early. Well, Terry, thank you so much for joining me this evening. Another great, great performance over here on the Mad Science of Sports Lab. Why don't you let the people know where they can find you on social media? Okay. Um, yes, you can find me on social media. I'm at uh, at Section TPJ. Uh, basically, the easy way to remember that is I work for student section, so section and then my initials, Terry P. Johnson. Uh, doing a lot of work with the student section right now. Uh, 
we're you know usually on Wednesdays and Thursdays we're just debating different uh, college football topics. Uh, most of them are very serious. Like this week we talked about quarterbacks, but then on Thursday and Friday we decided to have fun with which fictional characters would you you know hire to coach your team or would you hire to play with the team? Those were a lot of fun. Uh, you know. With, <laughs> I was surprised at the uh, positive feedback we got with that because people really 